On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are podcasting about a show about podcasting in Something Undone on ITVX, navigating some unusual spousal difficulties in The Serial Killer's Wife on Paramount+, Plus, which you can hear Luke Treadaway talk about a little bit later on. And we're hopping back into the TARDIS for the third of Russell T. Davis's Doctor Who specials, which landed yesterday on BBC One. Plus, we have royalty on the show this week, as Her Madge, Imelda Staunton, and Her Royal Highness, Leslie Manville, stop by to talk about the final season of The Crown with Boyd. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your essential guide to every show that matters, and the penultimate regular show of 2023. Just so you can update your festive calendars, we'll have one last show coming out next week, and then, as a special festive treat on Christmas morning, Father Christmas will be leaving our Review of the Year special in your stockings, or at least he would, if that's how podcasts worked, uh, and we're then, we're then off for a week, and we're back in your ears on Monday the 8th of January. But until then, until then, I am once more joined by my two Christmas elves, Kay Ribeiro and Boyd Hilton, who comes to us, much like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone 2, live from New York City. How's the Big Apple, Boydie? It is on very good form. Yeah, it's uh, it's looking very good. It's looking very Christmassy. It's, Have you been uh, skating in Central Park? No, someone else asked me that. I don't. I don't do skating. No, that's no. no. <laughs> I have. I've walked past it though, and um, it's, it's a, much it's the same thing. Great. It's been quite cold, but in that very you know like sharp, clear, um, you know New crisp. York mm. crisp, all of that. It's like, it looks like an Apple TV uh, Plus show, you know, very crisp. <laughs> and yeah, I'm having a great time. Thank you. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you for for you know interrupting your holiday to not break your unbroken never, streak yeah. of being on this podcast. I'll never miss an episode as long as this podcast <laughs> goes on, which probably you know who knows how long that'll be. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I just joking. There's no threat. A sense of boding. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. We should say also that tomorrow is Boydo's birthday. So happy birthday in advance. As as we record this, indeed, yeah. As we record it, but as we go out, it will have been his birthday. It will have been, yeah. And what a huge day it is because not only is it my birthday, um, Arsenal playing Aston Villa, and we're at top (laughs) of the league, and they're like just below us. That's a huge game. And um, just to give fi- you before you carry on, just to give you a visual, James and my shoulders both slumped at the same time. Yeah, no, <laughs> and 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 I was going to go on to say more pertinently, and we are going to be talking about this, but more in detail. But the final Doctor Who special episode airs on my birthday, and the first and the Shooty Gatwa, we presume arrives. We should also get into the fact that we actually don't know for sure because because of redacted scenes. Redacted. But he he arrives on my birthday. Effectively, how good is that? It's almost like they timed it deliberately. I suspect RTD did do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it wouldn't so. shock me. It wouldn't shock no. me. Well, we'll get into the details of why yes. we're doing Doctor Who and why we don't know about uh, the Doctor's new form a little bit later on. I should mention, we said the Review of the Year podcast was coming. Uh, if you have any Review of the Year postbag contributions you would like to share for that episode, please do send them in before Wednesday this week, as we're recording that show on Wednesday morning. So please do send them to... Don't send them to the Pilot TV pod thing, because I won't get them in time. Send them directly to me, at James C. Dyer, on Instagram via DM. And if for some reason you don't use that, then feel free to just at me on Twitter. That's fine too. But just get them to me before then. Just to confirm, this isn't a review of us over the year, is it? This is just like... It's mi- yes, so it's, yeah. I will be reviewing Kay's performance. It's like a, it's like a, like a performance review. I should be reviewing Kay's performance during the year, uh, and you know, talking about areas for improvement. And uh, she will be doing the same to me and Boyd. 
don't you do that every week with both of us anyway? Like you do. You, in, oh, in- yeah, pretty burn. much, pretty much. Burn. <laughs> yeah. That is harsh. That is harsh. Can I give you? Can I give you guys a subreddit update? Oh yeah. Go oh on, yeah. no. Okay. Go so on. first of all, my shadow ban for that is what it was has been lifted. So I was shadow banned for a week, which means I wasn't able to post on Reddit at all, and all of my posts were deleted, but only for a week apparently because it just came back. Still don't know why. And the pilot TV pod subreddit remains banned. That's never coming back. But but industrious souls that they are, our listeners have set up a brand new pilot TV subreddit at slash pilot tv podcast if you want to join us on reddit we are now at pilot tv podcast on reddit which mirrors the empire podcast subreddit uh so we have sidestepped whatever happened to the previous one which i still don't fully understand so you guys especially uk must be very relieved by this revelation well listen that's my weekend plans just uh sorted out nicely good I'll be on there good Having you got the first chat. one shut down now you gotta work on this one as well <laughs> yeah, uh, <I> <laughs> Uh, so that is exciting but obviously Boyd you are on holiday you are in New Mm. York but crucially Mm. there is a flight a plane an an aeroplane that takes you from the UK to New York which gives you a block of time to watch excellent TV Uh, what did you watch on the flight do you know I I did what I always do um, which is I watch episodes of Curb Curb Your Enthusiasm I watched about seven episodes is this what you do on all flights yeah I I love it so it's so comforting yeah um (laughs) I was so, going to say, is it your TV the, comfort blanket? Yeah, it's TV comfort blanket. And they have loads of episodes on Virgin, kudos to Virgin's um, in-flight entertainment system. So yeah, I pretty much just watched that. Oh, no, I know watched one. That, well, in, in, is, this, is this the official what we've been watching section? And yes, not just it is. What I did on my flight, I see. Um, <laughs> cunning, cunning way in. I did watch one other show, actually, apart from Curb. And the one other thing I did watch was, um, you know, imagine the BBC One RT art show um, hosted by Alan Yentob. Um, it's oh, like, yeah. yeah. Um, they've done a Russell T. Davis episode, which goes out on um, in a week, Monday the 18th um, on BBC One, 10 40 pm, I think, after the news. And it's a profile of Russell, and it's brilliant. It's really, really great because uh, he's done, uh, I've seen profiles of him before years ago, but this, it's, it, wor- it, it works as a study in how he, he, how he works, how he writes, what his process is, which is fascinating and quite unusual, I think. And also um, a kind of history of his brilliant, you know, contribution to he's unique, absolutely unique. And when you watch this, you think there's just no career like it, really. It's just it's like Sully Wainwright a bit similar, but um, you know, it's 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 a, it's an incredible account of his uh, career and and life and his obsession with Doctor Who. So it's kind of pinned on Doctor Who, the return of Doctor Who, and there's lots of stuff um, about that. But it's a brilliant. I've done a really good job, I have to say, as a huge fan, obviously, and you know. Um, Friend in a way, a friend of the pod, since the pod, you know, it's it's great, it's it's great, and they've done a really good job. Yeah, so that's the other thing I did watch on my flight was um, imagine Russell T Davis. I think it's called Russell T Davis colon the Doctor and Me. I think um, uh, Monday week BBC One. Watch it. Uh, okay, that seems like a flight well spent. Among other things, Kay, what have you been watching? I've watched a lot this week, James. Right, mm. brace yourself. I finished. <laughs> I finished Smothered. So that's the sky comedy rom-com that I was a bit obsessed with last week. Yeah. Um, Continue to be fantastic. So I really hope that another season comes. Um, I watched Doctor Who. Doctor Who? Doctor, Doctor Hugh. Hugh. Even. <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Hugh. Um, yeah, just all about Hugh Laurie um, as house. No, Doctor Who, Wild Blue Yonder. But I'm not going to go into that because it's going to touch upon... 
Oh, so you want to talk oh, about it? See, I wanted to talk. I have, so I, full disclosure, I have not watched Wild Blue Yonder, but I have many questions and thoughts and things to say about it. Uh, but should we save that for the review section later on? Yes. Okay, yeah. let's yeah, go into yeah, yeah. all Whovian stuff later. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched that. Um, and then Murder is Easy, so that's the new Agatha Christie, which doesn't star Hercule Poirot or Miss Marple, um, which I have lots of thoughts on, but we can discuss that at a later point again when we review it almost certainly. Um, Elite, right, now these are two things, James, that aren't pilot, but the question was, what have I been watching? So I dipped into A League of Their Own. So not that's that the one. panel show. No, not that one. Um, because I haven't seen it all series. And actually, I have to say, Boyd, I don't know if you've seen it. Jill Scott, the lioness, yeah. is now on there. And she is so funny. Like she is, I would say, she holds her own alongside the um, comedians, but she's actually kind of funnier sometimes. So she's, for me, she's a revelation and such a great addition to the um, lineup. So I've been watching that. And then finally, and I know there's at least one listener who watches this, so this is why I'm bringing it up. I watched the special two holiday episodes of Virgin River, which, um, (laughs) (laughs) no, which I really enjoyed. Listen, if you need the feel good factor, if you want to feel Christmassy, it's got Michael Buble, tick. It's got snow. It has got a bit of fromage, but who doesn't like a cheese fondue? No, 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 no. Soundtrack. Um, But yeah, it's just very festive and Christmassy. So um, yeah, I just wanted that injected straight into my veins because I was in the festive mood. Um, And that's all I've been watching, James. Well, what have I been watching? So I've been watching a few things. And the first and foremost, as both of you know, I rewatched the episodes of Boat Story that I had already seen and then watched the rest of Boat Story uh, because I was doing a Q&A with the cast oh, and yeah. creators of Boat Story, uh, which went very well. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> It was good. It was good. They were an absolute delight. Checky Curry mm. in particular was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Bet, uh, but yeah, yeah, they were all wonderful. It was with uh, with uh, Daisy Hager, Joanna Scanlon was on there, and the Williams brothers on there as well. Um, loved it. Brilliant. I have to say, you know, and th- but you weren't you were not wrong, Boydie, when you said that that show goes absolutely mad. Yeah. But it's just genius, isn't it? Mm. It is absolute yeah, genius. Yeah. And that is 100%. Well, I mean, we're going we're gonna to iron out our shows of the year list next week. Who knows whether that will be on it or not, but there will be discussions on that uh, on that front, certainly. But just just incredible. And just when you think it's – just when you think you've got the measure of it, it does something new. Like there's a Rashomon episode halfway through, which just blew my mind. And then if you thought the play within the show was mad, wait until you get to the film within the show. And it's just – I mean, there is a lot Sounds going on there. Sounds mind-boggling. No, it is. But what was really interesting about it is, so when I first saw The Tourist, when that first aired, and again, it, like like this year, season two is over New Year. The, it was was it New Year last year or the year before? Yeah, the, tourist the, season the year one? before. The year before. And I didn't get on with it, partly because the, I could not work out the tone at all. Because obviously it's this very specific... <laughs> tone police. Tone police. Mm. It's the tonal shifts again. It was yeah. a very clear thing between drama and slightly absurd farcical comedy, but quite dark comedy as well. But I couldn't quite put my finger on it. But but Boat Story has that exact same sort of melange of tones, but it's almost more extreme. But I melange? think because... Melange. There you go. Good word. Uh but it's because they signpost it with these fantastic things like the silent era title cards, like the fantastic narrator and like the crazy ideas, like the play within a play because they almost lean into it far more. I totally got it with this. So now I'm really interested to watch season two of the tourist and see if now kind of being on the Williams's wavelength, maybe I'll like get into that more. You know what's happened? His mind has opened a chink. And now <laughs> the tourist potentially it could be in favor. 
Well, I was going to say, did you tell the Williams brothers you didn't like their uh, brilliant award-winning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, James, come on. Yeah. Did you yeah. did you have the balls yeah. to say it to their face? <laughs> that did not come up. However, I did mention <laughs> I did mention Relic. You remember Relic? Yeah, which is one of their older yeah. shows. I mentioned up, and immediately I said it. I think it was Harry jumped in and went, "That was not a good show." <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he just disowned it off the bat, brilliant. which I thought was fantastic brilliant. of him. Yeah, uh, I haven't actually seen it, so I couldn't comment. But uh, I thought that was uh, that was genuinely genius. I, but, yeah, they were I, really lovely. And really interesting. Uh, they are brilliant. I because I did the uh, the tourist season two launch, of course, with uh, inviting in our competition for Williams Brothers launch uh, Q and A action. Um, you two are ridiculous. You can make a competition yeah. but, out of anything. But we should say, of course, Kay, in Kay's opening, what I've been watching section, she mentioned the Agatha Christie show, but she didn't mention the fact that the reason you've watched it is because you're hosting the Q and A for that. <laughs> So Listen, we can all become yeah. Q&A. We're all Q&A host wankers we're all now. massive Q&A oh, yeah. holes. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. Listen, but I anyway. never denied that. I do, I do some moonlighting on site for sure. Right. But anyway, what I was going to say about the tourists is I always thought it was in, weird and insane. I'm always prepared for your opinions, James, as you know, and I'm always prepared to challenge them, <laughs> sometimes sometimes in the in the most the harshest and most, you know, other shame way. Robust but fashion. I, robust, mm. that's the word I'm looking for. But I always found your enmity towards the tourists really weird because I thought it, I was absolutely convinced you'd love it before, before we started yeah. talking about it. But it was weird that you took against it, and I think you should rewatch it again in time for well, season two. Do you remember at the time, so I watched the first episode, didn't like it. You told me I was mad. So I literally went, you know what? Boydie's normally right about this. I actually went back and watched more of it and still couldn't get round the tone thing. But I didn't have that problem for one second with Boat Story. And I do wonder whether it was just the clarity of the signposting or maybe it was Sign just that the comedy yeah, was, more, was. was more sort of like overt in Boat Story. So I'm now wondering that maybe I'm in the groove. I'm going to give Taurus yeah. another go. Yeah, so you've got to do it. you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Over the festive period, let's do a rewatch because I haven't watched The Tourist and I want to watch it before the second season comes out. So we can do a watch along. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, what else have I watched? I watched more Vigil. I love a bit of Vigil. Uh, there's uh, more drone action. Obviously, no spoilers here. Although, having said that, when this goes out, the first two will have aired and there'll be another one. No, sorry, the first one will have aired. There'll be another one tonight and then another one the next night. Uh, so I won't spoil anything for tonight's episode, but I watched that one. That was great. Um, I watched the, just to go into film territory, uh, Boydie, you mentioned a film last week, Leave the World Behind, yes. which you thought was very much on my wavelength. Yes. Uh, you are not wrong. That is a show that references both uh, both. Yeah. It references to West Wing and frankly revolves around friends. Yeah. See, um, I wasn't exaggerating, was I? You were not exaggerating. It's not good, though, is it? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I, I loved it. I loved it. And I'm really, not the only did one. You? So it's an interesting one. We gave it two stars oh in Empire. Oh, my God. You absolute two stars. <laughs> yeah. And that I have ridiculous. to say, I couldn't disagree with that. No, and you're wrong. Who reviewed it? Now it's probably not the time. But <laughs> no. when you're going to bed, Boydie, on Friday night and you're yeah. listening to the Empire podcast, you will hear my review of oh, <laughs> the no. behind. Oh, and no. it will infuriate you so no. much you won't be able to go to sleep. <laughs> I'm already furious just in anticipation of it. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, even though I think it's massively flawed and has one of the most annoying endings I've ever encountered, I uh, I genuinely was riveted for a lot of it. Because I, I really like even though it's a little bit sub Shyamalan, I like I, I found it actually quite gripping. It's much and, and better. Was in my review, much better than steady, Shyamalan. Steady, much better steady. Than One of the things I said in my review, even though I didn't think it was good, I did recommend that everyone watch it because I do think it's it has a lot of interesting things in there. Oh, I just but, uh, oh, well, you've really raised my hackles. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> 
Oh, my oh God. No. Oh, that's it. He's going to come for me yeah. later on. <laughs> Listen, let him, let him enjoy his time in New York. Come on. Yeah, you should, you should have yeah, got someone else to review it. But anyway, I have, but it, funnily enough, in last week's Empire podcast, there are a few two-star reviews which were really unfair as well, I thought. And I remember um, even like Hewitt and O'Hara were like, you know, um, as I'm calling them now, I don't know why. Uh, Chris, yeah. <laughs> Chris and Helen. They'll no. never listen to this. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, they were like, oh, what? it's unfair that people... Empire's got really harsh all of a sudden, like giving two-star reviews to actually pretty good films. But this is this yeah. is, takes the biscuit. I mean, it's... Well, Chris like, Chris hated this even more than I did. Oh, my God. What the fuck? <laughs> what the actual fuck? Um, Kermode loved it. I've just been listening to Kermode's did review it? this morning. Yeah, absolutely loved it. And loads of people really like it. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, not that that's oh, I've got a go. question. What yeah. other what other TV you been watching, James? <laughs> what other TV have I been watching? Well, actually, uh, I haven't been watching an awful lot of TV this week, Kate, because I have been I have dedicated myself to finishing Baldur's Gate Three, the video game I've been playing for several months, and it took me uh, the total. I <laughs> Baldur's thought it was one hundred and seven. Baldur's Gate. It is Baldur's Gate Three. It is the third Baldur's Gate game. Uh, I clocked in finally at one hundred and thirteen hours. 113 hours Whoa. I played Baldur's Gate 3 for. Oh, my God. But I finished it now. I'm pleased. It's, I finished well, it. Well, clearly it's addled your brain because you obviously watched the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Leave the World Behind uh, at the same time. Oh, leave leave yeah. the film behind, Boydie. Leave the film behind. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, on that note, let's, uh, let's shift into another gear and have our first guests. The final series of The Crown is, of course, well underway at this point, and we were invited to the palace for a sit-down with the Queen and Princess Margaret, a.k.a. Imelda Staunton and Leslie Manville, about the series so far. The Right Honourable Boyd Hilton was clearly the only man for this job. Did you Did you bow? Did you go in? Do you? And how did you address them? Um, do you know what? Funny you should mention that, because I was weirdly quite nervous about this one. I was more nervous about this, because they are formidable. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and do you know what? As you'll hear in the interview, I think, um, Imelda Staunton absolutely is as formidable as you'd expect, is all I'd say, yeah. So it was quite an, it's quite an interesting experience, yeah. Now, are there any spoilers that people need to be aware of? No, I don't think so. No, no, um, no, no. Okay, no spoilers <laughs> it is then. So, crowns at the ready. This is Boydie talking to Imelda Staunton and Leslie Manville. Welcome, Imelda um, and Leslie, to our podcast. It's, I mean, I couldn't be more excited to see you because The Crown is one of my favourite shows. It, I mean, it, it feels like a unique undertaking in the history of television, this show. What has it been like to be part of this incredible piece of TV and filmmaking. Very privileged. <laughs> Very privileged to be part of this. You're absolutely right. It is. This has never been done before, and I don't know if people will do it again, but to be, um, you know, the first people to, to do it is is pretty special. And for, you know, for a long... So it's been 10 years of the producers, or probably more with the writers' lives, um, um, the, the, you know, the the work that they've continued to do, you know, they've got their audience, they could do anything, but they keep striving, you know, each time to make it better and better. And Leslie, for you, how has it been to be, to be, this just to be part of your life for the last few years? Epic, really. I mean, I remember, I remember the day I met Peter Morgan and he asked me to do it. I, I kind of kept waking up every morning after that and thinking, I'm going to play Princess Margaret in The Crown. You know, the, I, I love the series. Had done something that I've never usually do. You know, I'd watch an episode and think, well, I'll just watch this one. And mm. then you just couldn't stop. Um, but it has been, we've talked about this quite a bit, Emma, right? it's been 
an epic thing to be involved with for the amount of time. Um, a strange job in many ways because, you know, you you some episodes you're in a lot and some you're not in so much and so and you handing the baton over to that for that episode to someone else and so that's a good it's a good exercise as well and a good discipline to remember what it's like doing all of that um but really the enormity of it and what bowled me over was the level of care excellence detail that came from every department. And also, it's unusual because you're taking over from two brilliant actresses before, in your oh, case, Vanessa yes. Kirby, Kirby and Helen Bonham Carter. Yes, you can't really think about that. It sure. can't it hinder you. Otherwise, no. you know, you can't do your job. And I'm not them. And I have to do my version of Margaret. But it was very, very, very enjoyable and um, and informative to watch them play out um, their part of Margaret's story with their interpretation. I mean, across the board, wonderful. But, you know, I can only... There's there's never a discussion where you say, well, I need to play it how they did, you know, because it's... And anyway, I'm... That's the thing of the crown, isn't it? That's the uniqueness of it. Yeah. Three different chapters, three different casts. And Imelda, for you, playing this gigantic figure in all our lives, do you become, do you kind of just read the scripts and, and perform what's there? Or do you become kind of obsessed with her as a, as a figure? Well, I think you have a wee bit of both. And, and I think because we had a good lead-up time um, uh, to do research and then, of course, you watch the other series. But, of course, you, you then go, no, I've just got to do the Queen. I can't do the other actors. I have to do the Queen. Um, and, um, and as I said before, my favourite time of day was between action and cut. Mm. Being that person who was, quite, who was extremely contained um, and... And a woman with her own mind and a woman who is utterly devoted to what she must. She is the head of the Church of England. She's the head of the country and the Commonwealth. You know, she takes responsibilities so seriously. And I loved that. And I loved holding that. You know, that's I I miss that. I miss being that person who's, uh, yeah, who was so um, extraordinary in her dedication Mm. 24 hours a decade. Mm. Yes. <laughs> it's strong with you both in Mike Lee films, the, the contrast between his, you know, incredibly down-to-earth realis- level of realism and this glamour, the world of glamour and wealth and privilege that your character. But they're still characters. They're, they're still, still people char- sure. that you've got to play I was realistically. Right. You yeah. know. Is it the same? I mean, or, or, you know, is it more fun? Is it more to be plunged into this world? We d- I don't think we think of it like that. I don't, I, um, for us, and I speak for both of us because I know Imelda well enough and I know her work, obviously, it's you want to get to the nuts and bolts of a person. And we are lucky because we have been given a kind of canvas of variety. You know, we play different social classes and different women and uh, that's that's great. So it... I've absolutely adored every single job I've ever done with Mike Lee, but it's different. That's mm. that. 
And I would, you can't, and I would never suggest taking the way he works and trying to put it onto another production because you couldn't do it. His work works because you're all doing it. The whole piece is about that Mm. sort of investigation. But there's a legacy from that detail and that time I've spent with him um, that makes me go away privately and helps me on my own develop a character, which often on films and television, you're not afforded that kind of time. Sure, sure. Margaret, it feels like Margaret is one of the most fun characters in this whole um, panoply of figures that we see in The Crown. I mean, obviously, in the the episode that I watched this morning, episode eight, which deals with your death, is incredibly moving. But there's still fun even there, like throughout. She's such a kind of incredibly exciting. Well, you figure. can't think of it to play. In, you, know, you can't play fun. Sure. You can play a woman who who is tortured, has not lived the life she has always wanted to live, and uses humour and um, her acerbic nature as a kind of defence mechanism or survival mechanism. But you know, it's it's like with a lot of people who are perhaps in that uh, area that's hiding a lot of pain mm. and that's the thing about margaret really it's the her private loneliness especially at this time of her life um is is key but that r- humor in her that she has inherently that rumbles away underneath is part of her fabric mm. there's a lovely scene um in that final episode without spoiling it where where Margaret talks to you about her funeral plans. And it's... it's it, well, it's, you are going to spoil it. <laughs> I'm not saying anything more. Okay. <laughs> but, but that's true. I thought that was one of the most kind of moving, quietly moving um, scenes in the whole in the whole show so far. What was that? And the whole episode is incredibly moving, isn't it? Mm. Two siblings, well, uh, two unique siblings. Absolutely. You know, when, when, when Peter Morgan does that sort of writing, you know, there's sort of no one better. And it was so fulfilling to do to perform and try and you know try to investigate it and try and and do it so it was it uh it was very rich and and it, every scene felt absolutely right um and uh so i i, I think you know f- to have a whole episode you know, he, he 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 does that over over all the season. There's one episode that just hooks on to something, yeah. and I think when he hooks on to that, he you know it's it's so satisfying for the actors mm. anyway to do, and it gives them their characters all that utterly human element, which in this these pictures of people in crowns is that's why he's written it is to try and investigate the human condition um if that's possible um or not but it, that's what he's trying to do and then to have an episode that can really l- see their emotions and their feelings and their um shortfalls is uh, rich pickings mm-hmm. for for actors i think and of course that's that's the bit that us as individuals looking at the real royal family don't know right and we never will know and quite right they're private people why why should you they they should be allowed to have privacy yeah but that's what's fascinating about the crown is that it can speculate Mm. on what a breakfast is like when they've had a great big row the night before or what how these two would behave when one of them's life is ending Mm. It, it, that's what's great about it, and and 
you know, we we by the time we shot that episode, of course, we we've done a long time together at playing those two women. So there was such a comfort and ease about it, and we could be instinctive. And um, you know, I felt it was us being able to do our jobs in the best possible circumstances. And he, he's very—he's a very bold writer as well because it's not that he doesn't just stick to kind of like realism. The, the final shot of this episode, again, without giving anything away, the Buckingham Palace is, is, is something maybe the other writer wouldn't approach, wouldn't think of. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and and similarly, when you know Diana famously and slightly controversially came back to, to the Queen in visions, that's a bold creative decision, isn't it? Mm, mm, yeah. What did you make of that decision? I don't, well, I haven't seen that episode. Ah, okay. I'm here to tell you. So okay. I, I, you know, for me, I, I, I thought it's the, however the writer wanted that to be seen for this character playing this character, it's in her head. Mm. So I'm not going to comment sure. on what it looks like mm. because uh, I'm just in it. So um, that's up to yeah. everyone else. Yeah. And what did you make of your final scene, that final scene at like Buckingham Palace in, in, in the episode? Well, yes, and I'm not going to say no. about any, what it is, but I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. And actually, we did one take uh-huh. of my shot. Yeah. And um, Alex Gabassi, who was directing, said, do you want to do another one? I said, no. Because yeah. I knew, I, I, I felt that I, I'd absolutely done it. The moment of it and the enormity of that dramatic moment, which it, it's a quietly dramatic mm. moment, um, something about it just hit the right spot first time. Yeah. And I didn't want to do another one. Oh, but no, it's perfect. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. What was your final scene to film? Our final scene. Yeah. Oh, no, no your, your final scene. In, in, final yeah. of the whole thing. Of the whole thing. You see, it could have been from episode one. <laughs> yeah. Because we, we, I mean, it wasn't, but because but we did do episodes one and eight first. Oh, okay. So you're always right. topsy-turvy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Sorry, giving a mic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, we shouldn't be doing that, should we? Not today. Fair <laughs> Do you remember what your final scene was? Yes, like? I do. Yeah. And that's staying with me. Ah, okay. <laughs> but did, was it emotional for you to, to say goodbye to the character? I think when you've done a job a long time, you feel like it's been done well. And I feel job done. I think, you know, I, you know, a lot of people want, oh, was it emotional? Yes. A lot of people <laughs> mine really for that. Mine yes. for that. Yes. And that's our business. Sure. And it's no one else's business. Sure. How I felt. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll never give that away. Fine, yeah. Mm. What was your last scene? <laughs> yes, because you were all gadding all over the place. You had loads of... Yeah. I, I, I remember they brought on a cake, remember, though, didn't they? Just a photograph. That photograph. Oh, yes. Mm. It was a family photograph. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, but I remember the cake. Yeah. <laughs> you do. I've got a picture of you with that cake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was lovely. Yeah. You mm. did like a family tree cake. Oh, mm. nice. beautiful. Very nice. Yeah. Um, people do get hung up on, you know, what's factual and, you know, it's such as you, you yourself said, these are characters that, that Peter Morgan's created. But there are, it's important to know, isn't it, for example, that the Queen and Margaret on VE Day did go to the Ritz, for example, mm. which is a, a huge base part of this episode. Yes. Um, why, do you think the, why do you think Margaret was so fascinated by that moment in their lives and was so obsessed with that moment in their lives? Because it was a moment when they were free. 
you know that with 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 me the media being what it was then so different to how it is now it's it well they did but it's not just that it's believable but that they did but they did go out into that crowd and people didn't know who they were yeah. that is that freedom that they had just to be young to be able to do absolutely what they want without being followed without being monitored without being gawped at they were just free young women and similarly the queen seems very reluctant to acknowledge that moment but why and why do you think that was because the rest of her life has been overshadowed with um, behaving respectfully and doing her duty and in a way probably she probably had to push that down in order to do her job and she did not spend her life regretting because she couldn't and she was sort of she knew she, that would be indulgent and I think the one thing she never was was I don't think she was vain and I don't think she was indulgent and I think that um, she in a way Margaret seems much more emotionally connected for better or worse but she can she can let rip and she and I think Elizabeth knows that it's like closing you know I've got to close down I've got to close down I have to close down in order to be able to function in this role yeah yeah so you know as much as Margaret's life has been you know one could say ruined by circumstances of being you know the number two we had those scene about number two and whatever out of both of their control um elizabeth equally was as trapped if you mm. if you want to look at it like that yeah yeah no 100 yeah. percent. Mm. and as we this is the final season these are the final episodes of go, episodes going out what's your fondest memory of being part of this show it's always hard to answer questions like that because it becomes the whole thing you know but it has been a fulfilling job um, it's been great for me personally to play Margaret. Um, it's been more than terrific to work with people at the top of their game and people that are passionate, you know, and I'm talking about all departments, mm. but you know, we work very closely with costume, with hair and makeup. And, but all the departments were, you did feel the excellence all around you. Mm. And to, and, you know, to work with really Im impressive and wonderful bunch of actors so consistently um, and to get to know each other. And um, it, it's very hard to pick out anything individual from the crowd sure. because it, I think everyone's experience of it is always as a kind of a whole, a whole thing because it is such a big mm. thing. And same for you, Melody. It is really, yeah. um, um, because I've never done a series before, and I didn't know what it was like to work with five different directors, and I and I and I loved every one of them. Yeah. And I thought, how how do five people do the same show? You know, because I've never done it before, so, uh, yeah. very easily. Apparently, uh, they could they could just do it. So that was a unique thing for me. Um, and you know, we all just want to do the best work we can, and always, of course, it's up for grabs. People are going to like it; they're not going to like it. But you just turn up and you do your job the best you can on the day, and everything else is white noise. 
to be able to work with people who care so much. And listen, this isn't unique. I mean, people who make lots of films and everything, I mean, that's all we ever want to do is the best we can. And, um, and, I, and you know, when you've given, been given that chance, it's, uh, it's really delicious. That was our Crown interview. Time now for this week's listener question. Now, I have not provided you with a listener question this no. week. Uh, it's very for unlike you. A variety of reasons, most of which come down to organisation. But let's, I did pull out two, two particular ones that I thought I might ask. And they're quite short ones, but I thought they pondered some discussion, but they're not ones you needed to prepare for. So I think you'd be fine. But the first one here, the first one here comes from. Uh, a B Hilton, and it's no, it's not really. Uh, this one, the first one here comes from Mike. It's not. It's not about leave the world behind. It's fine. Uh, the first one comes from Mike, and he says, "For the post bag, I've been tempted to rewatch old classics like Spooks or Hustle, but in this world of prestige TV, I don't know if they'll hold up. Do you guys feel this way regarding older shows? I know what Boyd thinks on this subject, so well, I'm going to ask Kay. <laughs> well, you made me watch Banshee. And I would say that potentially hasn't held up. Also, Cracker, do you know what a classic like Crack- Cracker? That Cracker is old, yeah. Do you see what I mean? Like, obviously, it's brilliant, but that hasn't. So there are, I think there are, like. So I don't know the Banshee because Banshee feels like it's a child of kind of the peak TV era. I don't think there's a, a there's kind of an issue with that one in terms of aging. Cracker looks a thousand years old. I'll definitely give you that. Um, Banshee, I know you had issues with the effects in Banshee. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was less dated than less good in my opinion. But might, yeah, but it might have been a budget issue more than a time yeah, issue. I but, think yeah. So, yeah, but Crackers, Crackers are an interesting one because Cracker is a show I don't think because you think oh you know they could remake Cracker but you could not. I don't think there is Cracker without Robbie Coltrane. I just don't. I don't think that is a show without Robbie Coltrane. I also think you know it exists in its particular era. So it's while I'd almost you know. With a lot of these older shows, you think, oh, actually, you know, they might do well with a peak TV, you know, gloss over. I don't think a glow up would be right for Cracker. I think leave it as it is. Mm. A glow up, yeah, a glow up. <laughs> a glow up would but, be okay. But generally, you don't have a, you don't have a like. Do you? Do you like? I suppose you do. You revisit old shows? Do you ever feel that the urge? Not really. Um, just because there's so many new shows, you know. Like that I, is I true. do want to rewatch. I do want to rewatch Friends, but I think that has sort of held up. Yeah, Friends is a is a is a strange uh, anomaly, as as evidenced by the two star film Leave the World Behind, which features it quite uh, <laughs> quite extensively. <laughs> hey, no, I'm just reading stop. the facts Go out on. from the magazine. <laughs> Listen, stop baiting him now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, embarrassing. It's, embar- it's embarrassing for you. It's embarrassing for Empire. It's embarrassing for everyone. So you know, I wouldn't. Wouldn't worry about it. Frankly, <laughs> um, but yes, no. So, um, Boydie, you you have no problem with older shows, right? Absolutely not. No, in fact, um, when we did crack, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it because you just have to technically, obviously. Uh, I was fascinated because that was that was the Michael Wittenbottom directed um, uh, episodes, and I loved. And uh, as I said at the time when we when we looked at it, to see him trying to make something of the obviously ultra low TV budget of the time was really fascinating. So you have to. You have to um, accept that technically these things aren't up to because huge advances have been made. Basically, now you know in this podcast, pretty much every show we review, apart from the odd VFX snafu, as you might call it, <laughs> uh, they they look pretty incredible. Generally, I mean, it's kind of just just it's just the way it is. Really, it's it's easier now, isn't it, to make stuff look really good cinematically, yeah. um, and the contrast to stuff filmed back in the 80s or 90s or, or even just like five, ten years ago is is stark for sure. Yeah. But I, but you have to just accept that. And um, Cracker was so well written. That is true. 
Yeah, Cracker was so well written and performed, and he was so brilliant that it just doesn't matter. Yeah, and I watched loads of like old sitcoms. You know, I watched I watched an episode of because BBC Four shows loads of archive stuff just constantly, and and they, they've showed stuff from um, the eighties and nineties. And uh, Yes Minister, I watched the the other, the other day. It was oh. absolutely brilliant. You know, very basic. You know, actually, just, I I watched as time goes by. Still holds up. Yeah, those sitcoms. <laughs> that's because I love the Dench. In a way, those half-hour BBC, like particularly BBC, well, that that was ITV, wasn't it? I think with the Dench, but those BBC sitcoms, like Yes Minister, they were pretty. They were very basically put together, but actually, in a way, they've dated better than a lot of more ambitious dramas, if you like, because you just accept that it's filmed in a studio and blah 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 with a laughter track, and it's fine. Um, so yeah, uh, in that, my long-winded answer is I absolutely have no problem <laughs> watching old stuff. Do you back. think there's a distinction between shows that you watched when they were when they originally had so they're old but you're familiar with them yeah and you're revisiting them and yeah. shows that for example maybe you never saw but now you're going back and discovering for the first time i think you're completely right actually because if i went back and watched say the good life faulty towers any of those it would just i would just it'd be accepting of it but with cracker because it was new to me and like i and i should sort of like accept it in the way that boyd's talking about of like that's just how it was back in the, you know back then and we've we've moved on but actually you i think that's a good point james i think if i'd watched it back in the day and had a nostalgia for it and you know it wasn't completely new because I think accepting. I have that. There are shows that I would like to now, but I missed out, like shows that I never saw that I'd like to go back and see. But I sometimes think because of the era they were made in and because they do look so ramshackle now by modern standards, I find it slightly difficult. So yeah, I'll definitely revisit stuff that I love. Like, as you say, Full I'm fucking Blackadder and Red Dwarf. Both look so appallingly low budget. Less so the final season of Blackadder, but then it was all in a trench. So I imagine that was relatively cheap to do. But, you know, I, I, I love them because I'm familiar with them and because that's how... I know they are. I think, yeah. If I if I saw them for the first time now, I would I would like them I, less. I, I, do you see that? I think they're putting out a Blu-ray box set of um, Blackadder, uh, which they've remastered for in HD. In <laughs> I don't think it ever needed to be in HD. I know, I know, <laughs> but it might. I was going to say it might make it look worse in a way. Who God knows? But they are, they are doing that. There's a full yeah. like, comprehensive special like elements of extras and stuff on it. So that's interesting. I'm sure, it's four three formatted. Like yeah. you know, it's like. So it's going to look weird anyway. Like so, The Wire I do watch in HD, even though it was shot in four three, because it doesn't get like they haven't chopped off the top and bottom. They've literally expanded the frame, and sometimes you can see the film equipment there, so it's not ideal. But that actually works for me because I I don't like watching stuff in four three. Whereas crucially, Buffy, which was shot early on in four three, the DVD of that they've just chopped off the top of it, which is mad. I just realised I was nodding along when James was talking about all these numbers, and I thought and like, I don't know what then, you mean. And then I realised I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I know it's ratio, but like I don't got no yeah. clue what that. So sixty nine is the aspect ratio of the of the screen. So sixty nine is kind of basic widescreen, and four three was the old sort of style squarish TV. Set oh fine okay for listeners just to let you know that wasn't james explaining he i asked him the question <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the irony is is that there are like more and more films these days are being made in 4-3 like saltburn yeah, that's 4-3. true that's um, true yeah. as an example yeah so it's you a must stylistic be choice irritated. like ghost story yeah yeah, yeah you must be really in, uh, furious about well, that do you remember when Zack snyder brought out the snyder cut of justice mm. league and he did it in black yeah. and white in 4-3 which Mental. i thought was an act of supreme trolling <laughs> yeah absolutely did you give it two stars yeah. No, I actually thought it was fantastic, but I could have done without it being in four three. <laughs> oh dear! But yeah, no, that's I, I, so it's interesting. That's he makes a very interesting point. I think so. Certainly, people who've never seen Cracker going to it now, you do have to get past the hurdle that is, you know, 
early to mid 90s production but there you go so another another very quick question for you because frankly i have it here uh this one comes from a person who's unfortunately been cut off of this one so apologies if this is you but the person says as a fellow lover of elite sci-fi i thought you would appreciate seeing my replica of the prime radiant from foundation come on uh leads me on to a question for this week's pod if you could have anything from a film in the real world what would it be now his question or her question is very much about if you can have a real thing so if you can have the actual prime radian but actually i want to ask a slightly different spin on this which is like if you could have one prop from a tv show like if you could have a prop if you could go into their archive and steal a prop to have it in your house what would you want oh god that's a great question um what are you talking like about a like piece obviously of television history obviously the tardis i mean yeah. That's quite yeah, a big yeah. prop. That's quite a greedy steal. Like, I'd right. like, if you're on a yeah, set visit, if you're on a set fair, visit, I'd like fair, to see you nick he could that. He can put that in the like the east wing of his mansion. It's fine. He's that got is space true. But bear in mind, it's larger on the inside than it is on the outside, but it's still pretty big on the outside. Matt Lucas used to have a TARDIS in his in his um, house. Uh, Did he? Yeah, really? Yeah. 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 An actual um, TARDIS from the show. I think it was what I think so. Also, I, either that or. Like, there have been multiple TARDISes. Tard- yeah. So I think it was one that was on the show. Tardai. <laughs> or maybe he got someone to build it for him. I can't remember. Maybe it's the latter. Maybe it's that. I can't remember. But he, yeah, but he used to have a TARDIS. And this was before he, he ended up being on the show. He was a companion on the show in the in the, in the in latter years. Well, Boydie, yeah. anything yeah. really <laughs> could be a TARDIS. So, you know, mm. who knows? Perhaps that cupboard behind me is, in fact, a TARDIS. Because yeah. the Doctor's TARDIS may be stuck in that form, but not every TARDIS is, is. And I think we can all agree, if I had a TARDIS, I would have the Master's TARDIS, which can still shapeshift. And aren't you impressed with my Whovian knowledge? Oh I'm very gosh. impressed. And, and well, you are a good candidate to be the Master, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. As in pure evil. <laughs> pure evil, supercilious twat. Check. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, well, obviously, the other the other Doctor Who prop is the sonic screwdriver, but they do make yeah. they make sonic screwdrivers. You know, they, they in in the um, yeah. in toys um, in toys. They're not a special, to- not special, <laughs> but an actual <laughs> an actual sonic screwdriver from the show would be fantastic. I have to say, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. And the powers that it that, that it that you get that you can use the science screwdriver for pretty much anything as as fans of the show will attest down the years. Like in these specials, there's a whole new. He, he's got like he can create a force field. He did that in the first one in the first special using the science screwdriver. He did yes, yeah, yeah, movable so, force fields. Yeah, so that so that was good. Yeah, so the the Sonic is a key. That's a good one. Okay, I'm sure you'd want some kind of bunt cake from a season of Great British Bake Off or something. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. I I mean, I'll, he we'll he thinks that's that. a diss. Yeah, yeah. Actually, whatever. do you know what? Actually, it was more of a segue so that I could mention the bunt cake that we got sent to the office today. or well, not oh, today, but this week by Tom Cruise, yeah. which, hey, oh. you got a slice yes. of. I do. I got a slice of it. So Nick, the editor, and James walking past the booth, <laughs> the editor, and I was just yeah. joking, going, yeah, as he's now known. Um, and I was just making a quip about like, where's my slice like this? And Nick had actually saved me a slice of the cake. And they were referring to it as the cake. I had no clue what they're talking about. Right? Oh my God. And then I know. And then with it, like within 10 minutes, I realized I was like, and it was delicious. I can Have confirm. you Googled the Tom- cake? No. 
Do you, so, because there are entire articles just about the cake and its origins and where it all comes from, but it comes from Doan's Bakery uh, in mm. LA. It is a a sort of it's called a coconut cake. It's like it's a coconut vanilla sort of cake, oh, uh, God. but it's got just white delicious. chocolate in it as well. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Although this this sort of circular bunt uh, sort of like incarnation is actually relatively recent. It used to be a, just a regular icingy coconut cake. But anyway, it's $125, not including shipping, because I looked it up. And he sends them to all of his close personal friends. And Empire got a number of them. A number of them. Yeah, because we're super special. Is that your code to say you've taken one whole one home? No, but I did eat an alarming amount of it in the, in the office like i'm not saying i ate a full half of it but it wasn't fucking far off <laughs> yeah no it was del- no, it was delicious thank you for yeah, your saving it was very life. good sorry buddy um, you missed no, the cake uh, do you, to be honest with you i mean I, obviously it's brilliant that tom cruise um spends huge amounts of money on sending cakes to empire but i don't like coconut in, in I sweet, knew you were going to so, say that. Well, yeah, I, you're not it's alone. Big, it's a controversial cake yeah, choice because a lot I of think, people don't because yeah, nobody eats bounty I, bars. Mm. If he starts sending them to me, I'm just going to be like, Tom, uh, it's a great gesture and everything, but really, come on, <gasps> let, let's have a less divisive cake than a fucking massive coconut thing. You know, I what, just would can't. You go with a, would you go with a lemon drizzle, a Victoria sponge? Lemon drizzle, Victoria sponge, loads, anything, anything but coconut. Coconut so is just not, so boring. Not, no, no, it's horrible. Ugh. No, you're horrible. No. Listen, coconut you're cake horrible. is the best. No. Yes, that is on behalf of Tom Cruise. I'm saying that. Um, no, it was honestly, it was so delicious. I know you're anti coconut, but you know you just have to deal with it. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. Okay, not you have you've sidestepped the question here. I'm going to have to press you for an answer. Um, you know, I'm really good on the spot and also just answering these questions. So uh, even though it's a big prop, I'm just going to say Carrie's flat in Sex and the City. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. I mean, I mean, boy days in New York, he could stay in it whenever he wanted. Look, you won't look a gift horse in the mouth. I mean, a gift horse in the mouth once with Tom Cruise's cake. But if I were to have that flat and I said to you, hey, boy day, next time you go on one of your many jollies to New York, you can stay in it. You wouldn't be laughing then. And, what and about the Peloton, at least? The, the Peloton that thingy... <laughs> The yeah. big died on. Yeah, the big died on. How about that? That'd be good. Yeah, rather than the whole of her flat. Just a Peloton. No. The death, the death Peloton, as it's known. <laughs> no, that's too, that, that is too energetic. No, no, no. I'll just take the flat. You can have the Peloton. The flat you can use is it when not you come a prop. Stay. I mean, it I stretch with the TARDIS. <laughs> I'm going to go on record and say have... that's more of a location. But yeah. yeah, it's a location. Exactly. I'm sorry, but if Boyd's having the TARDIS, I'm having her ruddy flat. Okay. Well, anyway, James, what would you choose? Uh, I would choose, and I, I imagine anyone listening to this podcast probably already knows what I would choose, because my favourite <laughs> show of all time is The West Wing, and there is one prop that is more iconic than any other prop in The West Wing, and it is the napkin with Bartlett for America written on it that oh, Leo yeah, gives yeah. to yeah. Jed when he gets him to run, and it's framed, and it mm. appears in, in one of the key episodes, and then it reappears in the very final episode. Okay, uh, you show, win. It's, 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 I mean, that is a wonderful, wonderful thing, I would love to own that. Um, something that always, you know, occurs to me is that, that I wondered was that, you know, do Peloton like kick off? Like, do they like get oh. cross if their Peloton is, you know, frankly killing people on there? Is that an issue? I think it was a bit of an issue. Is my memory? I'm going to look it up now. But my my memory of it was that they weren't thrilled because um, it is quite a bold. But you move. say that, but it's still. It is it's a bold move, of course, yeah. but it's a publicity, like, as if publicity. they give a shit, really. <laughs> yeah. But that wasn't down to the Peloton, like a, a, a you know, a malfunctioning Peloton. That was down to yeah. Big being like, It was down know. to Carrie murdering him by not calling oh an ambulance and letting How him really- die. Um. Dude, I mean, honestly, the amount I shouted at, phone the fucking ambulance. 
but the thing uh, is, the reason I asked this question is because I was watching uh, a film, which may or may not have got two stars this week, and uh, there is a sequence in it where a bunch of Teslas <gasps> crash. Yes. And I wondered, mm. and because they were all the crashed cars were Teslas, I was a yeah. bit like, that feels like it's dodgy. That feels like something that Elon Musk would get upset about. Mm. Another, another brilliant scene in that film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and and, and a dig, a massive dig at Elon Musk. And obviously, you're taking Elon Musk's side with your two star review. I mean, yeah, that's one what of the I'm I didn't. One of the things I didn't actually mention in my review, which I actually forgot to mention. So I'm actually think of this as the spiritual part two of my review. One yeah. thing I did think was wild about that show is it is a Netflix original film with an underlying plot thread about the transience and unreliability of streaming and the importance of physical media and i thought that yeah. was an incredible yeah, move yeah exactly deserving of, a, of another thing yeah deserving of another star at least um, anyway back taking to the up Pel- to a whopping three stars the what they did peloton this is really interesting peloton published a parody commercial the sunday after um the and just like that episode went out and um, so they kind of did a jokey response to it. But shares of the company fell 75% after the episode. Went, How about that? And, um, that sounds expensive. Yeah, it's fucking incredible, really. Um, so it's like, yeah, Peloton wants you just to know it's at-home fitness camp- equipment can improve one's physical health, not lead to health complications, which was implied in the reboot of Sex of the City. Yeah, they sh- I think they've recovered now the shares because, I mean, you just see Peloton classes everywhere but uh yeah they so they're kind of they did their response was good they did a jokey kind of ad ad responding to it but yeah very interesting okay well i guess we've answered a couple of questions there if you want your questions answered please do send them to us let's be honest send them to me on instagram at james c dyer but also possibly and i may get them at some point at pilot tv pod um but more importantly as i said review of the year stuff before wednesday morning people before wednesday morning hit us with your review of the year questions please and if you have um, any comments about james's review of um, leave the world behind <laughs> please feel free to contact him by phone, email, or or um, direct message. <laughs> feel free, feel free, and I will read them out on the review yeah. of your podcast. Yeah. Uh, okay. Should we have some? Should we have some film news? No, let's not, because mm. this isn't a film podcast. Let's instead have some TV news. Yeah. You wouldn't know from all the leave the world behind chat. Uh, yes, let's have some TV news. And there have been a lot of TV trailers over the past week, and I'm hoping you guys have seen some of them. But did either of you? And let's be honest, it won't be Kay because it's not her type of show. But did either of you watch the Fallout? trailer boydy oh yeah no. i did oh, you did no what did, no <laughs> well, i know how much you got me there i, I realized yeah. how much you enjoy retro future aesthetics okay so i thought you know you might be really into that one <laughs> no i totally forgot to watch it was it good uh do you know what? It's, it's really interesting so this is the lisa joy and jonah nolan show based on the video game or the series of video games i should say uh stars ella purnell and uh your man walton goggins is in it as well and it shows her kind of she's a vault sort of a vault dweller so she's been living in a vault since the nuclear apocalypse and bearing in mind it's retro future so it's very much a 60s vision of what the future would be like uh and she stumbles out into the wasteland and there are mutants and murder and all sorts of stuff going on there so yeah it looked really interesting it looks very faithful to the game Games. Whether it kind of hangs together as a kind of coherent storyline remains to be seen. But Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy both know what they're doing, so I have I have high hopes for that. So pretty excited by that one. Uh, and there were a couple of other trailers as well for uh, TV things. He says desperately looking because I can't remember what they were. House of the Dragon. But House of the Dragon had a trailer. Did you watch that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That looked very good. Yeah. I mean, it was it like did. A, it did. Yeah. A Rhaenyra Tar- Targaryen. 
prominently featured. <laughs> yes, as one would expect, as yes. one would expect, which is good. Did you watch the Variety Barbenheimer sit-down where Killian Murphy and Margot Robbie sort of grilled each other on their respective films? No, I haven't watched that yet. No. Well, Why? there was a bit. I was. I very much enjoyed it. It's great. I do recommend it. Uh, but there's a bit where where Margot Robbie basically pins him down on Peaky Blinders because she loves it and says, "Are you going to make a film? Are you going to make a film?" Oh, and yeah. he kind of, kind of, he, he kind of, he's, he basically said he's open to it, which I guess is kind of what we knew anyway. Stephen Knight comes up to him and says, "Look, here's a script for a Peaky Blinders film. He will 100 percent do it. I think, uh, but we have not got uh, to that point. I thought yet. Stephen Knight said that he was definitely going to do a film." He has, he has, and he, he right. talked to me about doing a film, but yeah, then, yeah. but we do not know for a fact that that film will be a Tommy Shelby film. Oh, okay. Like, we don't know when it will be set, you know, as I recall, I mean, he said this stuff to me and I've instantly forgotten all of the details of it, but yes, you're quite right. He has talked uh, at length yeah. about doing something in the film sphere, but we don't know quite what that will be. Doing something um, in the film sphere, i.e. making a film. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, see that one slipped okay. past the podcast innate twat filter. So apologies for that. I'm thinking um, of doing there, something in the TV sphere. Uh, uh, we are currently doing something in the podcast sphere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Furthermore, in the trailer sphere, The Boys season four had a trailer, which looks a lot of fun. Uh, it's not Homeland. It's Homelanders world. We just live in it. Uh, so that's quite fun. Following on from the events of Gen V, looks like more chaos and carnage there as Starlight and Homelander face off in the court of public opinion. So uh, I'm very, very, very excited for that to return. I love the boys a great deal. There's also a Masters of the Air trailer as well, if either of you watch that. The new no. dad no, show, which arrives next year, sort of following on from A Band of Brothers and The Pacific. This is the oh. air version of it. Oh, yeah, I'm really excited. I keep forgetting that that's what it's called, yeah, because Band of Brothers mm. was... The episodes of that are on the Apple screen site now, interestingly oh, enough. Oh, are they? Oh, okay. Oh, I'm mm. going to be on that. Yeah, look, Band of Brothers was incredible. Um, the Band of Brothers is a show that I often forget when you know when people list you know literally like great TV dramas of all time and stuff. Oh, it, it was it's amazing, phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely, it's amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, yeah. But obviously, I have buried the lead because the most important news of the entire week—I I mean, we'll let's be, be honest, this. of the entire year—is that stating? Is that is that overstating? I don't think it is. Oh gosh, it's going to be. Come on, it's going to be what Star Trek. <laughs> Foundation has been renewed oh, for season God. three, and yeah. I am no. fucking psyched about it. <laughs> of course you are, yeah. yeah oh, yes. Oh. oh, yes. Oh, More oh, yes. More Foundation, oh, yes. Oh, yes. which means Kay gets to watch more of it when it arrives. No. It's so no, you exciting. Said, by your dictat, you said we only review stuff when it's new, right? So well, actually, we won't be talking well, about it, will we? It all depends. We prioritise new stuff. We prioritize, but as don't, you will see from this him. week's reviews section, at, that's not always listen, the case. Listen, look at Captain Smug. You pulled a really <laughs> smug face. This is my natural smug face. It's no more smug than normal. <laughs> that's you all like absolutely jacked up on foundation news. I am. I am. I am 80% foundation here and 20% Reacher, which has also been renewed for Series 3, uh, and which we would be reviewing this week, but we can't because it's heavily embargoed. Uh, but we'll be talking about that on, uh, on Pilot Plus. Any more news? Any more news? So I've got some news. Sofia Vergara is um, has been announced that she's going to be in Griselda, um, which will be on Netflix on the 25th of Jan. I'm a big fan of her. Love her in Modern Family. In fact, my car is named after Gloria. Um, anyway, so she's going to be in Griselda. And uh, apparently it's been inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Griselda Blanco, who I didn't know prior, um, who created one of the most profitable cartels in history. Apparently, she was widely known as the Godmother, so I'm excited for that. What uh, what outlet is this going to be on? This could be the 
outlet known as Netflix. Yeah. In it will be in the Netflix sphere. In the yes. Netflix sphere. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. So I think Sorry. that's going to be, um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Can I jump in with a bit of un-James un like news? So you both watched Jury Duty, right? I watched a bit of it. I didn't watch all of it. I think I shirked it. Because a lot of people, and some of them are in the Empire office, genuinely put it down as their show. Yeah, like they loved it. Oh, yeah, I no, have obviously, in my in my elitist snooty way, dismissed it as reality TV and was uh, was largely mm, criticised for God. that. But 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 crucially, the non actor guy, the mm. civilian, mm. the unwitting dupe of that show. If you know the format, everyone was actors except for yeah. this one guy. He has signed an overall sort of two year deal <gasps> with uh, with Amazon. Mm. So, oh, do, wow. so, like, so, yeah. which is wild, you know. So he's been yeah. this breakout here, and he wasn't even actor. He was actually, I think, he was a solar contractor or something before this. So it's wild. So he's now oh, signed yeah, a deal with Amazon. Yeah. Mm. Wait, um, do you mean like factual or like he's going to be doing dramas and stuff? Uh, it just says a variety of content for the company. It has not mm. has not specified. Good for um, him. Yeah. So he's uh, he's he's had a big old entertainment career change after having been a massive star through uh, through jury duty. And I'm fascinated because obviously it's not like they could have auditioned him for this role, mm. right? Like, how did they get him? Did they do go through like a fake jury selection process to try and work out who they thought would be best on the show? Because because to maintain the illusion. You know, you kind of got rolled the dice a bit, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. unless you got, I don't know. Did they do a thing where people, friends nominated people who they thought no would be good idea. or something? No idea. And if I were more professional, I'd have done a bit of research and found out. But I didn't and I'm no, not. No, let's so. wildly speculate. That's all <laughs> fun. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say is what happened. Uh, all right, fine. Is that is that all we have for news? Are we no, done with news? there's one more thing not, for news. There's Go one on, more thing for you. Me Here in America. Here in America, where I'm Where you are now, do remind us, yes. Where I am now. <laughs> Our roving big, reporter. The big TV news of the week is it was the death of Norman Lear. Norman Lear was the incredibly uh, um, admired and respected um, American sitcom creator. And he created a ma massive array of hugely successful and influential sitcoms from All in the Family Maud, Sanford and Son, One Day at a Time, The Jeffersons, he created, Good Times. I mean, you may not know some of these, but because not all of them were shown on British TV. In fact, probably most of them probably weren't, but they were. It's kind of like he was like, you know, ev ev like three or four different um, sitcom creators rolled into one. And he was incredibly influential. And he lived till, and he died um, last week, and he lived, lived till the ripe old age of 101. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Good and he was still he was still kind of like taking part in um, events and stuff in his hundredth, you know, his hundredth birthday. And people like Judd Apatow and Mel Brooks and all these kind of legends of comedy were paid paid tribute to him. But it's been going on all week. I've seen ever since I got here, um, you know, huge stuff on CNN about him and uh, uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff. So he was a huge, um, huge kind of US TV sitcom giant who is now passed away. That's a good innings, a very mm. good innings. Yeah, L the, literally the definition of a good innings, yeah. Indeed. Right, that is the end of news. Time now for our second guest. Luke Treadaway stars as a non-serial killer in this week's The Serial Killer's Wife, and we saw him most recently as Golden Blade in the tragically departed Lockwood & Co. Uh, now, our resident Treadaway wrangler volunteered to read from the book of Luke, and this is what happened there. Hi, Luke, and welcome to um, the Pilot TV podcast. Hi, hi. So we are um, here today, right, because uh, that sounds really formal. We're here today, gathered here today, um, to talk about your 
very compelling new drama, The Serial Killer's Wife. And so I wondered if you could, first of all, just like tell us what it's, what it's all about in a nutshell. Well, in a, that's a good question. What it's all about. <laughs> in, um, so, well, uh, at, the, at the beginning of the drama, um, uh, Beth, who is played by uh, Annabelle Scully, uh, she uh, has realised that, oh, my God, this is such a, it's been such a long time. Really struggle with this main question. <laughs> um, well, she's she's, she's realising that her her husband uh, is having an affair and uh, and is keeping things from her, and um, and it transpires that that she finds out information on an old secret phone that she finds hidden away. That it's more than than just an affair. There's there's possible links to um, to a girl who has been murdered in the local area um this is in the first episode so i'm not giving too much away this is kind of the setup and um so yeah she her 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 heart starts beating and she she thinks my husband is a serial killer and that's kind of in episode one and it's pretty dramatic isn't it because she's thrown this really lavish birthday party for him and that's the moment that yeah yes the police walk in uh i'm i'm i play uh tom's best friend um and uh, and i'm so i'm in the middle of giving a speech uh saying what a wonderful chap he is and then in the, um to in the middle of his in the middle of his big 40th birthday at his house to arrest him that's the end of the first episode i think and yeah. um yeah so it's 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 set in this kind of quiet um country village and um and it's you know immediately you're starting to hear about this girl who's been killed, and um, but obviously no one would assume it was the lovely local uh, doctor um, who, who Tom plays and um, who Jack plays. His name is Tom in the thing, and um, yeah. But the police obviously have their suspicions and have their reasons to arrest him, and um, and that's where it starts. And you play, as you said, you play his best friend Adam. Yeah. What what can you tell us about his character and what drew you to the role? Um, well, it's, yeah, it's, uh, he's he's basically known they've been friends all their life adam and tom have been friends growing up as kids and um and and we've been to university together i think adam is slightly sort of um infatuated by by tom his friend he sort of i think has followed him to uni and has been you know has kind of um not wanted to really let his best friend you know get on with his life and 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 things i think he's kind of always always been sort of slightly put down by his best friend but i think he's sort of taken it on the chin and kind of thought you know that um that was kind of, that was kind of their roles i think probably since childhood and and it was so it was kind of an interesting part i, I kind of liked the the dynamic between those two and how um adam appears to still want to just be this guy's best friend even though he's kind of you know low-key put down by him all the time uh, he still tries to be his kind of friend and support him you know and, and as the as the episodes go on and the story goes on um and his best friend is accused of murder he he's there trying to help he's there trying to help tom and and help his wife um beth kind of deal with this and um and yeah so that's kind of that's who we see as adam at the beginning it is a really interesting relationship between the two because as you say he is in this kind of inferior position to tom and what really struck me is that I feel like lots of people will be able to relate to this kind of best friend or friend you have in childhood 
who maybe like when you grow up, you realize maybe he's a little bit of a dick, but you don't know whether to like stop being friends or like, you know, there's a kind of a nostalgia that keeps you still yeah. committed to the relationship. I think that's I think that's exactly I think everyone's probably um sort of been a part of either either knows someone who has been that that friend who puts you down or or has maybe put down people in their part in your past as well. I mean, it's um I think as you're growing up as kids, you're sort of jostling for status in relationships maybe sometimes aren't you and so i think a lot mm. of people i think that that must happen a lot i think in young kids and also sort of teenagers and then yeah if you you kind of go to uni and suddenly you're there and you've got you know kids and families and um and the relationships don't magically change just because you've married someone or, or walked out of the maternity ward with a kid you don't grow up in any of those moments it seems it appears to me anyway um you know you our relationships still kind of with certain people from our past, you know, they, they remain much the same, I think. And, um, and so I think that's, yeah, there's a sort of, um, ghost of their childhood is kind of living present among them in terms of their relationship. And so that's kind of interesting ground to kind of play with, I think. And it's really interesting. I thought as well, because they've both got children, um, and actually Adam's a single dad now, um, which is really tragic, actually, um, we learn. Um, but it's, I thought it was a really interesting dynamic when they have um, Adam, your uh, your on-screen daughter's birthday party, and he kind of um, sort of buys this very lavish present and sort of like, it's almost one-upmanship. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's the, um, yeah, exactly. So, he, yeah, they, they, they agreed to help me um, throw this birthday party for my five-year-old daughter, uh in 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 the show and um you know they they've got a massive house they've kind of got a massive garden and if you know really laid it on it it looks like something out of uh i don't know an instagram birthday party <laughs> and in walks tom with this uh big bike and it's all sort of it's all very it seems kind of um probably more than what adam's been able to kind of afford to get his daughter so it's yeah i think um whilst it's very lovely it's it's also kind of um just harking back to the kind of relationship and and mm. the superiority which i think tom sort of as a character i think tom likes to be superior to sort of everyone i think including his wife um and so yeah. it's kind of these little nice little details i think that kind of um tell us or show us who what um what tom is like yeah i have to say jack farthing plays it very well because you know he's got that brilliant, real... brilliant. yeah no he's, he's brilliant in it yeah yeah and um so Adam really kind of is in a difficult position, isn't he? Because he's Tom's best friend, but he is very fond of Beth. And so he's kind of like in, in between a rock and a hard place because he knows uh, Tom's bad behaviour, shall we say. But mm. he, yeah, he doesn't kind of say anything. Yeah, he knows that Tom is, you know, uh, a, a pleasure seeker. A, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um the most well-behaved man in the world um in fact a very badly behaved man uh, in, and um but well i think he's sort of yeah he, he he doesn't want to expose his friend um and and but he also is very fond of his wife and, and wants to kind of be a good friend to her so i think yeah that's interesting where and then there's there kind of becomes a tension there where uh, at a certain point that that's that is a kind of untenable position for adam and he he has to kind of come clean about things beth is very clever at kind of um excavating the truth from adam i think and so um and there's definitely a scene in it where 
she sort of pretends to know more than she does and adam foolishly walks into that trap um but it's you know it's all for the greater good i suppose it's kind of fair enough really and um tom sort of deserves to be found out about in, t- in some of his behaviors so yeah mm. and then he sings like a canary <laughs> yeah no i mean i think there's probably you know there's undercurrents to adam that maybe we we take a few we take the kind of whole story i think to realize um and so i think even though he might appear one thing at the beginning i think um you know, by the end, there's sort of you've learned more about him, and so I don't know. It's 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 maybe only thinking back to some of those moments, you might kind of question whether there was how hard did he need to be pulled out of you know the information <laughs> yeah. out of him. I think it appears to begin with like it was just a complete accident, but I don't know for the for the viewers to decide as they watch. So, is there anything else? You, well, you've kind of teased it already, but is there anything else like in terms of the story that you can? It's it's a difficult one to talk about, I suppose, in a way, because you don't want to reveal too much. I think I think, and I yeah, I mean the whole the whole part of playing this part was was um, kind of had to be sort of um, yeah, not not giving anything away really, and um, and so I think yeah, I think the less I say about it, yeah, the better, probably. Um, fair enough. And even that itself is probably, but um, no, I think um, I think it's just a fun one to watch if you don't know what's coming. And I think it's, you know, you never want to know the twist at the end, do you? Otherwise it kind of takes away the fun. So, you know. I'll, I'll summarise by saying it's very exciting. Um, so we're just over two weeks, I think, now till Christmas, Luke, right? Yep. So, I mean, I was going to ask you if you're getting festive, but I can see your lovely Christmas tree in the background. Thank you. Um, <laughs> twinkling there. Um, I wanted to find out because it's a time, obviously, kicking back, relaxing. And I just wondered what Christmas TV, if any, that you're particularly excited about. Um, if there's or just generally what you're watching at the moment if there's anything oh okay um i well i don't watch a whole lot of tv <laughs> wrong place <laughs> audience to say this um you know i'll be looking to, i don't know what i haven't looked at the radio times or anything to see what new things are coming out this christmas although i bet there's some brilliant things serial killer's wife being one of them um <laughs> but I, I like watching the old stuff i mean a christmas for me has to include watching home alone oh yeah uh, obviously classic soundtrack on repeat on christmas day like just has to be on the first thing um and you know some films some good films i mean you know it's it's tv it's all different nowadays isn't it i sound like a really old person but like you know you can you have access to just millions of films all day any day of the year and it's not and whereas i remember growing up and stuff more it was like oh my god that thing's coming for me christmas time is just about kind of um having some time to kind of slow down be with your family um, take time preparing nice food and yeah and that definitely involves probably sitting down and watching a film in the evening um, and even if I wouldn't normally do that then yeah I would I would definitely do that on Christmas day I reckon yeah okay cool well just to let you know just for your information that actually Doctor Who on Christmas day is going to be the big thing everyone's excited um, about so yeah very because, good yeah yeah okay well I'll be well, that's what I'll tune into then I'll check that <laughs> um and finally i just wanted on a festive theme i just because when i was researching like i yeah. saw this fact i need to fact check it with you yeah. so i read is it true that your first acting role was in the village christmas pantomime as a little red riding hood and did you play the daffodil 100 percent true yeah yeah <laughs> oh my God, i love this what yeah, yeah. My, tell me about that my dad was the big bad wolf and um and it was it was a pantomime called journey through panto i think it was so it was kind of like a jukebox pantomime of different pantomimes combined in one and um i think that's right there was this was definitely a little red riding hood section because there was a big bad wolf and they had sort of the local playgroup 
people in green tights, in green tights and green jumpers wearing da- daffodil sort of head things, <laughs> holding daffodils. And um, and I remember my dad kind of coming on, prancing around with big furry ears uh, and panting and doing a sort of classic wolf acting, if if you can imagine that. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember still clearly being doing that, and uh, I guess you know, finding it all quite exciting, kind of being on stage and and doing that, and seeing uh, you know your local village kind of sitting watching it and stuff. Yeah, it was fun. I can remember lots about that and the whole getting ready. And yeah, that's true. Ah, oh, so it's true. Big daff energy. I like that. Well, look, that's where it started, and now look, the best yeah. friend of the serial killer. So yeah, that's like, me now, yeah. and everything in between. Yeah. Yeah, the full range. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Luke. Like, um, we're very excited to see all four um, episodes of Serial Killer's Wife and have a great Christmas. All right, and you. Take care. Thanks very much. That was Kay and Luke Treadaway. Time now for the review segment. And, you know, why stop there? Let's barrel straight into The Serial Killer's Wife, which you just heard about from the Treadaway himself. Uh, this show sees Jack Farthing as the accused murderizer and Annabelle Scully as the eponymous wife. Think of it as a spiritual successor to the sadly departed time traveler's wife, only with less timey-wimey stuff and more killy-willy stuff. Uh, Boydie, <laughs> Boydie, give this one a stab. Oh, nice. Yeah, this is um, based on the books by Alice Hunter, who I believe, I think The Serial Killer's Wife was her first book, and it's become a series of books, I believe, of the so-and-so's wife, the serial killer's husband, the serial killer's daughter or something. All the relatives Um, of the serial killer get a book. uh, As far as I can tell, yeah. And it's a four-parter. And it's kind of set in a kind of idyllic English town and it kicks off with what I would, you know, consider to be uh, a, a good tantalising dramatic opening scene where basically everyone's gathering in this in this um, town for the birthday party of Tom, who is the local doctor. And so he's kind of like a, a, fa- a celebrity in the local community, played by Jack Farthing, who was brilliant in Rain Dogs, you may remember. Um, yes, this year. very much so. He's amazing in that. Absolutely amazing in that. And he's playing, again, he's, it seems to be cast Jack Farthing quite regularly as kind of a bit of a tosser, characters who, <laughs> who are based. And, and this guy is absolutely a bit of a twat. <laughs> so his wife, Beth, played by Annabelle Scully, uh, most recently seen in The Sixth Commandment, of course, the absolutely yes. brilliant Sixth Commandment, a contender for among the best And TV has been in year. Doctor Who. Has been and the it. split. Let's and not the forget. Split. Yeah, she's great. She's throwing this big surprise birthday party for him, 40th birthday party. So everyone in the community is gathered at the house. And what happens is, including um, the character played by uh, Luke Chedaway, his best friend, Adam, That's uh, and they're all gathered. And then the police arrive, um, led by Angela Griffin as D.I. Edgeworth, and they arrest him for the murder of his former assistant. And then it all kicks off from there, basically. So it's got a kind of like um, interesting, eye-catching and um, uh, kind of engrossing first scene, establishing the situation in these characters. But then what it becomes, as the first episode goes on, is it's not just about whether or not Tom is a killer. And we see like um, kind of flashbacks to various things and there's a whole other guy who seems to be another candidate for being the killer who we see. And it's all quite mysterious and slightly confusing. Um, but the but the fact that it, a lot of this mystery rests on the sex lives of these characters emerges. And what is quite I found quite funny was I did enjoy I did enjoy this first episode. I didn't, you know, like it's not like a kind of a masterpiece of of TV drama or anything, but it is fun and engaging. 
But one of the further things I thought about it was she basically keeps finding throughout this first episode <laughs> video footage of him having sex with various women. Yeah. And it's literally like she finds a USB stick at one point and <laughs> then she kind of stumbles upon an old mobile phone hidden away, not very well. It's like he's planted all these like tech devices mm. around the house. With, with, like he wants her to find he's this stupid. stuff. <laughs> well, I don't know. I haven't watched beyond. I have to say, I haven't watched beyond episode one. I don't know how much you watched, Kane, in preparation for your Shadowway interview. But I almost started to wonder whether the twist might be, and you, obviously you can't answer this because it would be a spoiler, but I, I genuinely wonder whether he's deliberately planting these things for her to find. Um, I don't know, as part of a sex game or something, because you then see their own. Um, interactions, shall we say, their own, um, their own uh, 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 romping, and noodlings, it's quite, <laughs> noodlings, and it's quite kind of out there. It's quite kind of like kind of a bit S and a bit kind of like you know all of that. So who knows? But that, but I think it's fascinating that that becomes their sexual peccadilloes become a kind of key element of the plot, and it did remind me a little bit of the Channel Four drama that we didn't like. Um, what's that called again? You know the one I mean with the where they're all. Oh all my the, gosh! Yes. The couple the next door. The couple next door, right? And now for me, you, you could compare these two. And I think even though this is like a bit cheesy and it does have elements like her finding all this equipment with all the video footage stumbling upon it in quite an amusing way, I still found it more convincing than the neighbor show. Can I just say, on the point of the couple next door, which none of us liked and thought was absolutely absurd, uh, it has gone down better in other quadrants. Specifically, Sarah Phelps tweeted that she really, really liked it. Oh, really? So it's possible that after that first episode, it actually kicks up into a into a different gear. So maybe people oh, should, maybe, should give okay, it another I'm shot. Maybe I, I, I value I, Phelps's opinion. So I didn't know. I didn't see Phelps's. Um, I watched the second episode, um, and it does get it does get better a bit. And as it gets more into the into the into the kind of um, detail of the wife swapping, basically, it is more it was more compelling. I still thought this the serial killer's wife, just as just generally the way it was shot and the way it was acted and performed and the way it was written, I guess, felt more convincing um, of the two shows. And it's it's slightly it's not a competition, it's slightly, but there but there are very there are a lot of similarities, I would say, between the two shows. I thought the same thing, Boydo. Like when I watched mm. this, I thought actually this is what I hope the couple next door was. Right. You know, in terms of the quality of, well, just the quality. Um, the quality of the shagging. I really like this. <laughs> good shagging, good dialogue, good plot. Yeah. Um, I really like this. And I'm not just saying this because I interviewed Luke, but I, I, found, I found this really like, it really gripped me. And I think it gets off to such a strong start, as you say, with that kind of explosive moment there. You know, the whole thing is that they live this perfect life you know she's very beautiful he's the village doctor respectable family and then it all blows up at his 40th birthday and the whole thing is connected like how the whole premise like the whole thing that you know as a viewer when you're at home you're like the question is how well do you know the person you share your life and bed with um that's one aspect of it which is also always really like intriguing but also as you say it kind of explores like themes of like sex, you know, their sexual proclivities. I've found it really fascinating, the stuff. And I don't know if this is an episode one or two about the fact of like how women are perceived in terms of once they've had children and their sexual desires and stuff like that. Um, but also like obsession and violence and whatever. So I thought it was really, really engaging. I can't wait to watch the next two episodes. 
It's only a four-parter. At a lean four parts, it's almost like... Because I, I, I was like, oh, will I press on with this? But at four episodes, I actually think I will because it's quite short. And I found it, like Boydie said, like it's not it's not brilliant. It's not like, you know, oh, it's, it's a masterpiece, but it's quite compelling. And you really do want to know what's going on. And Annabelle Scully, it's a, it's, a, it's a great performance. And I love the fact that, you know, after filing the first installment of her husband Tom's pornfolio on a fucking USB <laughs> stick, you yeah. know, I was like, she immediately... Like, I'm like... Because I misunderstood what that was at first, because you don't entirely see. And also, uh, I don't know about you, but the version I saw was unfinished. And so you just saw a green mobile phone screen. So uh, I couldn't yeah. see. I could hear the sex noises, yeah. but I couldn't see the sex on the screen. So I thought that it was actually a video of him committing one of the murders. Oh. So I was just like, how has she not shared this with the police? And then I thought, what does that say about me? Like, And I feel like maybe i'm wrong but like if if you were married to someone and you trusted them completely and yet you found a video of them killing someone i'd probably just give it straight to the police maybe that's yeah. just me i think um, no we all, i think that's a good hard line if you, yeah. if you <laughs> sense your husband or wife is a bit murdery it's, it's a serial killer you know i think that's a deal breaker <laughs> but no but that's yeah. not what it was it was just you know dodgy porn um but yeah it, I, I i need to know what's happening and i think jack farthing mm. gives spectacular bellend yeah. so uh you oh. know fair play to him yeah he's such a dick um can I also say, I mean, you mentioned her, Angela Griffin is really great in this, I think, as this kind yeah, of like, is. really like, she's dogged, determined officer who really wants to nail this doctor, um, and but knows that she's up against it because no one wants him to be the, the you know, serial killer. But she's obviously like not going to let it rest. Using the nailed there in the not in the American sense, by the way. <laughs> no. 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 no, look, Boydo, you might be an American now, but I'm remember your wanna, roots, your British just, roots. I just want to make that clear. Yeah. I just want to give a quick shout out to Morgana Robinson, who, uh, yes. who plays kind of the friend, oh my God, totally, because yeah. she is superbly bitchy. Yeah. And one mm. thing I liked about this show was the Britishness of it. And I don't think I'd yes. have enjoyed it as much if it was American, but it was so British the way the friend who has been a complete bitch about everything and who videoed the arrest and put it on the internet, when she comes around, clearly looking for gossip, she still lets her in and is terribly like passag and frosty with yeah. her instead of just oh. telling her to fuck off. Also, her reasoning when, like, you know, she's confronted about videoing it, she's like, oh, yeah, but I just wanted to show how, you know, how awful the police were. And it's like, no, you weren't. You're just being a complete bitch. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned her because she's absolutely massively prominent in my in my <laughs> notes. And Morgana is fantastic and everything. But to see her holding <laughs> forth in this fantastic role. And, of course, she, her character is called Jules. And there's something about that naming <laughs> mm. of that character that's perfect. So, yeah, she's like a, absolutely a Jules. You know, there's some, something like mm. posh upper class fucking twat who yeah which is completely obsessed apologies to any listeners called jules by the way well <laughs> yes and no oh dear we did not mention or have not mentioned i don't think so this is on paramount plus and mm -hmm. uh when does it drop boydie friday drops friday the 15th of december drops on friday the 15th the serial killer's wife next up this week we have the second season of Something Undone on ITVX. Now, I didn't know this was the second season until I started preparing for this podcast. I watched it, no idea. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. This follows a couple who make a uh, like a Canadian true crime podcast. And this season, they're looking at a murder of a family of five. Now, there are Satanists, there are corrupt cops, and frankly, a podcast that sounds a lot more perilous to put together than this one does. And that is when we're not discussing breeders, of course. Uh, Kay, as a true crime <laughs> maven... Would you give their podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts? Well, I would say you're, I think you're confusing me with Steph Seelan, who <laughs> is the true crime maven. <laughs> 
Would I give it five stars? Honestly, I mean, it's very important to leave reviews, guys, for anyone listening. I would not give this five stars. Um, I also didn't realise it was the second series, so I went into it a bit blind. It's, I think it's um, kind of anthology-ish where they deal with a new case. So the first fine. season, I think, is, is a, an entirely separate endeavour. So no, I didn't pick up on the fact that this was a returning show either. But frankly, there were okay. slim pickings this week. Uh, there is absolutely nothing out this week and Rita is embargo, which is why, A, we've done something undone and B, we have returned to Doctor to who which we've already covered mm. once so this i think you just said but this new season um of their canadian true crime podcast sees couple joe and farid delving into a gruesome 80s slaughter of a family of five and the way it opens is that they are visiting the grave of joe's mum and um then she kind of peels off to go and clear the house of her deceased mum get it ready for being sold and farid is on the hunt he goes to um a town a destitute town called is it bridus bridus um in newfoundland to piece together the mystery um while she you know takes care of her family business and i have to say and so and then he kind of goes and tries to talk to the local police and get files about this um murder and they're not particularly helpful She's, it's quite hard for her, obviously. She's packing up her mum's home and she's like dealing with the um, circumstances of his mum, her mum's death and like the ramifications. I just, do you know what? I, I rewatched the first 10 minutes a couple of times because I thought maybe I'm a bit distracted. It's very short, you know, for us to watch. So it was on, on that side, it had a tick, but I watched it a couple of times because I thought, why am I not quite connecting with this? And I just think like, so I, I struggle to invest in the story, both from the like point of view of the mum's death and the ramifications and also the true crime case. And I'm, I just don't think they've done enough here in this first episode to hook, well, at least me in. I like the idea of, you know, the true crime pod, which seems to be, uh, you know, the big idea now connected to dramas, you know. But, and I thought, you know, discovering how they do the sound effects, because that's what the wife, the yeah, girlfriend does. Yeah, she's a Foley does. artist. That was, mm. that was fascinating, actually. I think that was, like, really interesting. But... Other than that, I I think this is 10 episodes long. I might have got that wrong. And I just think they've perhaps stretched out the story a bit too far and they didn't put enough in this first episode to reel me in. Can I just say, I don't think it is the second season. I think it's the first season. And what you've got slightly confused about is the description of the first season is for their newest season of the podcast. It is confusing. This is interesting because uh, the reason I thought it was the second season, A, you're right, the wording of that thing, it says for the latest season yes. of the show. And also, yes. this show started in 2021. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, I was yeah. just like, oh, 2021, so this is the second season of the show. But I'm no, looking just... at the database now, and you might be onto something here. There, there is a second season, but I think they'll, sh they'll be showing that straight afterwards. There is a second season oh, for sure. Oh, because I was going to say, because I, I looked it up on the day and, and I was like, yeah. oh, there are actually two seasons of this show yeah. and this says returning, so this must be the second season. <laughs> so you're saying even though there are two seasons, this is, yeah. the this is absolutely shambolic, isn't it? <laughs> I know, uh, yeah. Hang on. No. No, no, no. So season two, okay, like season two, the first episode of season two, Fareed arrives in an unwelcoming British to inv investigate the Chaffee murders of 1989. Yes, vindication! <laughs> this is the first episode of season two. Where's the season one? You know, when her mother, you know, they go start at the grave of her mother. I think her mother mm. dies in season one. Um, James, so I'm this is why. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. This is this is your brow. This is all gold for this the is, this is by gold. The way. Oh, hey, this is gold for the podcast generally. <laughs> I'm looking at. I'm working now. IMDb, and it says S1 A1 two minutes and forty nine seconds, which is the name of this yeah. episode. 
S one, E one, episode one, series one, episode one. Is this not Bridus? This is Bridus, is it not? No. Okay, right now you're going to make me Google it. I'm pretty sure this episode we, we're, we're doing is Bridus because he does arrive in Bridus to investigate the Chaffee murders. But it, it, the second season deals with the same case. It's from a different Oh, but point according of view. to this, it doesn't. <laughs> according to this, the first season is a more personal thing where when... Oh, no, maybe you're right. Do you know what? It's very confusing because it's Bridus really, it, is where we end up. Yes, yes. So in, in, in IMDb, it says the first episode of season one is called Two Minutes and 49 Seconds. In the press pack that I was sent, it says... This they is called Two Minutes and 49 Bridus. Seconds. Yeah. And they arrive, Prareed arrives in Unwelcoming Bridus while she works on the sound effects from a recently deceased mother's home. But this I is so that, weird because if you look the at second episode season, I one... Think, you, think, you think it's like what, they go back to Bridus to deal with yeah, the same I case? Believe, I believe, honestly, yeah. Yeah, this, is this is extraordinary. This is absolutely extraordinary. I'm going to go to the ITV press site. It's so boring. I, I am genuinely unclear at this point whether this is season one or two. I know. Two. I know. It's really confusing. But I don't – put it this way. It'd be weird because they've definitely not shown this so far mm. at all. So they couldn't, to jump straight into season two would just be mad. I, I'm pretty Cause, sure cause it starts The actual one. synopsis for episode one of season two is Fareed arrives in an unwelcoming <laughs> Bridus to investigate the Chaffee murders of 1989, which in many ways is an exact description of this episode we watched. It is literally but the description are- of the episode we watched. And and episode yeah. once. <laughs> so basically, at- basically, basically, what we're saying is the biggest mystery of this fucking show is whether this is season one or season two. Okay. So, is, yeah. And ironically, that's probably the most fascinating part of that I mystery. Mean, Kay no. has hit upon something. Kay has hit, the crucial part here is who the fuck cares because I'm yeah, not I mean, any more of it anyway. Fine. I, yeah. I quite liked it. I quite I'm, liked it. Is the, the irony. Um, and the thing I liked about it most is the foley artist bit of, aspect of. It, which reminds me a lot of one of my favorite films, Blowout, the um, Brian De Palma. I thought you were going to say Barbarian film. Sound Studio. <laughs> no, 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 no. Blowout is about Foley artist played by John Travolta, who hears weird noises and 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 sees like a car going off a bridge, and he records it, and it, it all becomes about his audio that is recorded. And I'm pretty sure this has is influenced by that because watching her in this first episode, either of season one or two, who knows, um, is, <laughs> is, <laughs> is a bit like watching John Travolta recording his stuff in Blowout. So I, I thought she was really good and that, that was an interesting, there was a kind of spooky quality to it as she tried to work out where the various noises were coming from in the recording she made for the mm. podcast. I want to know what I was thinking was, I was watching it, like, do we do, a, you know, is there going to be a drama based on the pilot TV podcast where, you know, there's a Foley artist <laughs> going to do like noises coming from James's house as the what? guy delivers the latest DVD of The Expanse and where, who does the Foley for that? You know? I think if there's a mystery show based on this, it'll be us digging into the mystery of whether or yeah. not this show has had a first season before and this that, season or actually yeah, isn't. It's one of the main mysteries of our time, basically, <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah. It's I'm also very, very confused. Can- the other thing about it is it's like a um, serious drama version of um, Only Murders in the Building, of course, which is all about the making of a shoe crime podcast, but it's funny. This is a quite, in a way, lugubrious, if I can use that word, um, way into a, a, a show about crime, true crime podcast, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I, th- I thought it was fine. I, I get, I didn't, uh, yeah, you know, not amazing, but I, th- I, I liked it. I think I liked it more than uh, you, you guys. I thought it was interesting. But whether it's series one or two, who the fuck knows? <laughs> this is so fucking weird. Now, now you've got, got. I'm down the wormhole trying to like figure this out, and it is really yeah. like bizarre. According one, to <laughs> the oh, moviedb.org, season one aired 
March 26, 2021. And season two yes. aired March 25th, 2022. Yeah. But the plots seem to be identical. Exactly the same. Yeah. No, no, no. So, I read a review. So this basically- is the thing. I read a review of season two saying season two looks at us the same case from more from her point of view than his point of right. view. So it's like a point of view situation. So they do cover the same case. Well, acro- across two series. Oh, yes. no, thank you. <laughs> case out. That's it. But they're case only like now tw- 20 minute episodes. But yeah. yeah. M- mercifully, they were short. That is true. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so, yeah. so season one or two of something I've done. Uh, do you know what? We're ironically, unsure. ironically, our chit chat about whether this is season one or season two is longer than the episode of something I've done. It is close. It is close. True. But it's on ITVX. And what day does it drop? What year, Boydie? Was it 2021 or 2022? Well, I have no idea. Yeah, absolutely no idea. It uh, drops on Thursday. All ITVX shows drop on Thursday. I know that much. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Finally this week, we have the third and final instalment of RTD's trio of Doctor Who specials entitled The Giggle. Uh, And yes, you are right to say that we've already covered this series. And yes, the show was actually on yesterday as we go out. And you've actually seen more of it than we have because the version we saw didn't even have an ending. But quite frankly, Reacher was incredibly strictly embargoed and Amazon would not let me talk about it early. And it's not a busy week. So what do you want from us? Uh, Besides, besides, I will say... It's important. And it's Doctor Who. But crucially, (laughs) if we had not covered this, if we had not delved into this episode, none of us would have witnessed the magnificence, the unalloyed joy of watching Neil Patrick Harris lip sync Mm -hmm. to the Spice Girls, which is now living in my head rent free for the foreseeable future. Boydie, did this third episode spice up your life? It did. Um, And yeah, that is a brilliant scene um, where Neil Patrick Harris is playing the celestial toy maker who is a character who first appeared in 1966 episode of Doctor Who with the first Doctor. And he was played by Michael Goff, who's a legendary actor, of course, down the years, played um, Batman's um, uh, butler, what's his name? Alfred. Alfred. He played Alfred. He played Alfred. But uh, yeah, so it goes back that far. Again, it's like, um, it's interesting. In the Russell C. Davis interview I did with him for for the uh, Plus, I think, podcast, we played a bit of it on, on this podcast. He talked about how... For the 60th, he was worried that a lot of fans were expecting him to bring back previous Doctors, like a lot of, you know, as when Stephen Moffat did the 50th, he did bring back previous Doctors. And obviously he's brought back David Tennant as a a, a version of the Doctor, the 14th Doctor. Um, But he said that he he doesn't really like, he he finds it slightly uncomfortable, the idea of writing, bringing previous Doctors in. But what he has done done is he's brought in previous old characters, like the Celestial Toymaker. And I thought it was, uh, first of all, we should say that the middle episode, we didn't really get a chance to talk about much either, which was the the one, Wild Blue Yonder, which was the one where they, that was completely shrouded in secrecy. And I mm, loved that no one. No screeners, no press no screeners, screeners at all. Exactly. And that ended up being with, and it was talking about the mystery, mystery casting. And there was Nathaniel Curtis from It's a Sim played Isaac Newton in the first, um, in the kind of cold open of that thing, which was great. And then um, Bernard Cribbins appeared right at the end. The last thing he, he filmed, Bernard Cribbins, died sadly shortly after filming this he played donna's grandfather and it was a lovely beautiful moment to see him mm. greeted at the Very end poignant. of that episode fantastically poignant but a criminal absolutely can i ask legend. a question yes so obviously like i read jordan king who reviewed this for empire magazine he wrote one of the giddiest reviews i've ever read but it was absolutely contagious of wild blue yonder mm. and it really really has made me want to watch that episode desperately because i feel yeah. like i feel like 
I just so I didn't love the Meep episode particularly. Um, but I wonder whether it's that's you know. <laughs> but but I wonder whether it's, it's so uh, the episodes of Doctor Who that I've really loved are the ones where it's really out there, just wacky ideas, just like incredible oh, yeah. ideas, almost surreal, slightly horror, slightly creepy, quite unsettling. That's what I really like about Doctor Who when it really pushes the boat out. And I thought the Meep one was a much more straightforward episode, which maybe focused a lot more on character for good reason because you had you know characters you had coming back but since i didn't have that investment in those characters i think that was lost on me and the meat didn't do it for me but the idea when i when i kind of you know got into what wild blue yonder i said this sounds like my fucking jam like i this sounds like dot who i could really get oh, into James, you would love it fully set in space right yeah and with that and as you say with those surreal moments with the um different limbs like getting enlarged it was even you know i was like oh wow bigand <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, my yeah arms, and I, I love stuff like that. Yeah, my arms are yeah. too long. Yeah, my arms too long was yeah. was the. the, the but it, it was basically yeah. The second episode is much more you. It was the second episode was pretty. You know, I mean, hard sci-fi is like a you know whatever that means. But it's it's a it was a in quotes proper sci-fi idea. It's in a spaceship. There's like stuff about time. There's this robot that's very 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 slowly advancing up along this ship. There's evil versions of the Doctor and Donna. And in fact, what was interesting was Rusty Davis explained after the episode went out. He didn't. He was like, I didn't shroud it in secrecy for the just sheer hell of it. It was partly because it was such a simple idea. The Doctor and Donna arrive on a spaceship and they meet evil versions of themselves. And that's it, really. And that he didn't want, you know, there was nothing nothing else to say. He just wanted people to watch it and enjoy it, you know, everything about it. But it was fantastically enjoyable. And there were lots of, you know, she saw a glimpse into, they talked about what's recently happened with the Doctor in recent years um, in the Chris Chibnall era. I thought it was really clever for Russell to incorporate the Chris Chibnall era. And, I, I thought, and you know, a lot of fans aren't, didn't particularly like the Christian Miller, but Russell was very respectful of previous two showrunners. And that shows that he is appreciative of it, appreciative of, of it, I think. And the way he incorporated that was really interesting and moving and kind of lots of discussions about what the doctor's been through the last few years since Donna last knew it. The main point about the middle episode, I think it is much more you, James, yes. And I think you will enjoy it. And and it it was fantastic. But I think this episode three is even better, I have to say, because you have got Neil Patrick Harris absolutely going for broke as the toy- celestial toy maker who's really creepy and horrible and nasty and a really interesting character because there's almost like nothing in the uh, the brilliant idea in this episode which is so russell t davis because he's obviously a tv obsessive russell watches everything he listens to us talking about tv he loves tv he, you know <laughs> he doesn't write films he writes tv because he loves it yeah. and this whole he watches everything pro- yeah every so, major so he's show. not snob he's not snobbish no, like this is a man some other people Absolutely not. No, he's the opposite of, of snobbish. Yeah. I love that. But yeah, mm. but this great idea that John Logie Baird, you know, the creator of television, yeah. incorporated this creepy puppet thing, and that the celestial Stucky toy maker, ma- yeah, and the celestial toy maker implanted this idea into everyone who watches TV, and we get to the mm. point in this present, in this, in this day, in this episode, whereby everyone has got a screen. That's such a lovely, brilliant yeah, idea yeah, yeah. from a lover of TV. To, to, to write a storyline about the power of TV um, over our lives and to then kind of tie it in with, you know, there's brilliant stuff about how the Doctor is furious with the way humans, you know, behave and the imperfections of humanity. And it was a little bit like years and years, I think. It was a little bit like, you know, Russell commenting on the kind of 
current decline in in humanity and politically. Yeah. There's a pointed <laughs> reference to the Prime yeah. Minister, which was quite funny. <laughs> exactly. There is a pointed reference to the Prime Minister. Um, I loved all that. So you then had the fact that this lavish, I have to say, re- this new unit base, which is like something out of a Marvel film. and It's, it's like I mean, Avengers Ross, Tower, yeah. It's Avengers <laughs> Tower, yeah. And, and it looked great, though. The production design, beautiful, massive-looking sets. I don't know whether, you know... They're CGI and hot sets. James is the VFX expert. You can probably tell they us. They had a helicopter. Helicopters. <laughs> helicopters carrying the TARDIS across London. Yes. Brilliant. Beautiful. And the fucking budget. Like, I love the way also, like the first episode of these three, as I said before, reminded me very much of Rose, the very first episode of his Renewed Doctor, yeah. which was slightly smaller in scale. And as you said, less. Yeah. But it's the now mannequin one. Yeah, but it's now got bigger and bigger. And by the time we get to this third episode, it's huge. It's epic. It's like the, whole, and the idea of all of humanity behaving in this way. They all think they're right about everything. Is again, another brilliant idea. But it's overflowing with these incredible ideas, these incredible Davisian ideas. And I loved all that. The epic scale of it, the Marvel movie aspects of it, the, the influence. He loves those Marvel films and the universe they've created, just the ambition of them. And that Absolutely, I think he translates to the Hooniverse in this show. But what um, you've got um, uh, our pre- previous um, companions coming, Body Langford as Mel Bush's back. Yes. Yes. Uh, which she was with, she goes back to um, the days of the sixth and seventh doctors, Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy. And she was a very, people, you know, make fun of a little bit sometimes, um, Bonnie Langford. But she's a really good actor, really good actor. And she was That was great my Doctor era Who. of Doctor Who. I used right, to watch the Bonnie Langford oh, episodes. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's great in this. And she's like, Ruth Madeley's back from episode one, working for Unit, and Unit is now run by these women. I like, I love this. You know, these like inc- yeah. brilliantly powerful women, um, and uh, just to see this kind of new and and of course getting Catherine Tate's characters to agree to join Unit. There's a brilliant bit where you know she's offered <laughs> a salary. She says, "No, no, no, I'll come, give me 150 grand." What is it? And like, six weeks holiday. She's like, "Yeah, 120 grand that. and five weeks holiday." <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So that was lovely. Just I loved every single thing about it. But the as you say. Would speak. This goes out on Monday. It's infuriating because they redacted the final scenes, which are yes. obviously going to introduce us to Shuti Gatwa, and somehow David Tennant's fourteenth Doctor is going to regenerate into Shuti's fifteenth Doctor. But not only have they redacted that; they've redacted the last twenty minutes. I know. So I mean, <laughs> so we don't even know how it ends. We don't know. <laughs> uh, does that mean? So I'm speculating. This is going to be embarrassing. Obviously, this is going to come out on Monday after everyone's seen it. And by the way. Mid mid review, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch this because I'm in New York when it goes out tomorrow on my birthday, and I haven't got I can't use Disney Plus right on my over here because it, it will geo block me or whatever. And can it, can I how? Because presumably you have VPN access to get your to get into. Uh, you know, well, you don't use any. Uh, this is this is going to get inside baseball. Do yeah. you summer putting the magazine stuff together? Do you have the Cisco VPN stuff on your laptop? I do have mm. Cisco VPN. So what yeah. if I then turn you that can on? you. Can, if you turn oh. that on, it'll think you're in the UK. You're fine. Oh wow! Okay, but that's oh, good news. Okay, smart. Oh, right. okay. okay. Well, I glad I could be of that. assistance. Bit of technical support Happy for you, Brady. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll see the last twenty minutes. Anything? Like, like, does Shooty arrive? Like you know, twenty minutes before the end? Do we get loads of Shooty? Is that you know why is there so much of it that's been redacted? Because it's yeah. Weird. Like, I remember when. And- 
they sent out the episode Jodie Whittaker's last episode, and they just literally redacted the regeneration. It got went right up to the moment where the glowing, you know, the glowing golden beams come out of shooting out of her. Then it was redacted. It was literally like the last two minutes. This is redacted the last 20 minutes. So my mind is already blown in anticipation for whatever the hell happens in those last 20 minutes. But I'm glad it has given a chance to review these episodes because they have been brilliant and they've got better and better and better. And I'm now in a state of high excitement for the Christmas special, which I'm seeing on Monday, the day I get back from um, New York. Thank you and good night. (laughs) Uh, I I will say that the fundamental plot of this episode is an idea that absolutely everyone in the world suddenly thinks they're absolutely right and will not back down under any circumstances. And we on this podcast would know nothing about that, so it was really hard to relate to. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. It's just apparently it's (laughs) subtitled the James Dyer episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Well, I will say I'll say something to you, Boydie. Do you know what? I really enjoyed this episode. Oh, yes. I, I had an absolute blast with it. And it was partly because Neil Patrick Harris is a delight. But also, again, it was that thing that I was saying about before. It's a it's kind of a really interesting idea, really well executed. But it has that. And I always thought this about Doctor Who. Doctor Who for me personally, and I won't speak for everyone because everyone has, you know, wants something different from it. That's for me, you. Do- <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. I won't speak for everyone. Again, that's why that's why the episode is about you. Yeah. <laughs> but but Jenny, for me, Doctor Who has always been a horror show. And it is at its best when it kind of dials up those horror tropes and does make you feel that little prickle on the back of you and it makes you feel a little bit uneasy, a little bit unsettled. And this this really fucking does like it's creepy as not scary but it is creepy and it's a great idea and when they go to you know the, the toy makers like it's shop and stuff like in the corridors and all the stuff and bits with dolls and stuff it's really really creepy and it's really engaging and then they mix up these really creepy moments with these just moments of sheer joy like that genuinely inspired properly fantastic certain to be iconic <laughs> Spice Girls mm. moment mm. which is one of the best things I've seen on tv in yeah. ages i absolutely i was and that is classic all the way through classic that. russell t davis that is just the whole <laughs> the, the tone that moment yeah it's oh, just fantastic yeah so it's been yeah. so brilliantly executed absolutely mm. all of it i thought was i thought was absolutely magnificent so yeah i had a oh, i had brilliant. a proper glad, yeah. proper good time with doctor who mm. yeah it's fantastic yeah and i mean who knows we've got the last 20 minutes to look forward to I know, okay. I know. I really mm. want to know what happens. Yeah. Uh, Kay, was this like, are you, because you, you're, you're on a fucking tear with Doctor Who at the moment, aren't you, Kay? I'm coming at it from a non-Hoovian point of view, right? So I've really enjoyed all of three of the specials, but I have to say this was my absolute favourite. And I don't think I can, you know, like Boyd, and, Boyd has spoken so passionately about it. <laughs> so I don't want to repeat everything he said. And I agree with everything James has said as well. But I just think casting Neil Patrick Harris was the absolute, right decision because it's always him the, right as the creepy and camp and like played it with such relish that like and as that's that spice girls montage that you talk about i mean i absolutely <laughs> love that and the fact that you know when they were shooting the gun and all those like balls were coming out and i just thought it was really fun and also i really like the social commentary part of it which never felt lecturing but mm. i just you know when the doctor was talking about just saying you know how he's so frustrated at humans using intelligence to be stupid and spewing hate and then like the fact that everyone's so angry and cancelling everyone and aggressive i was like mhm mhm so um i really liked it. and obviously i really like body langford james from strictly when she was on there um she was phenomenal but yeah she i really liked her in this um and so i'm i'm now does this mean i'm a who fan am, am i who yeah I don't you're, know, you're on the good side certainly i well it's only because of these three specials and this episode in particular because i fucking loved it but 
Also, I've just got to give a shout out to Donna, right? Because as you said, when she was offered that job and, you know, a thing, and she asked for the salary to be doubled and they agree. And I just thought that's a life lesson right there. Be more Donna, know Mm. your value. Mm. So I'm going to thank you for that. I'm going to now, going forward, when I do my negotiations (laughs) with... So potentially I won't be here in a few weeks' time as as I go up to my bosses and say, listen... I know my value now, like Donna. They'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, Kate's got yeah. 120 grand and five weeks holiday. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see yeah. what happens. But this was a joy from start to finish. I was going to say, it's, it, this was yeah. a joy from start to 40 minutes in, at least. Yeah, <laughs> From start to three quarters of the way through the episode. You know yeah. As I said, I thought, no, we haven't watched the whole episode. No, it was but. a joy from start to most of the way through the episode. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what happened. Maybe the ending fell off a cliff. Who knows? But I very much doubt it. Uh, everyone listening to this will, of course, know that. Also, I guess we've been ever so slightly more, not really spoilery, but we talked about plot, I think, a lot more than we would do. But given that you've all seen it, yeah. uh, I, I think that's forgivable. Um, Forgive us. Yeah, exactly, Doctor Who, yeah. the third yeah. in Russell's run. When does Russell return? with Doctor Who, Poidy. Christmas Day. So the the yeah the shooting the first full episode of shooting. First shooting is Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day, then, which I'm seeing on Monday evening, and I will be reporting back on the podcast, obviously in a non-spoilery way, about the episode. Amazing. And when does the yeah. when does the next series proper start? Spring, we not know? spring next year. Spring time. Yeah. So there's a gap. There's a quite big gap between Shooty's first full episode and um, his first full series. And they're already they're in the middle of filming his second season now. And in fact, I interviewed him oh, for wow. Emperor. I think I. I think I can say this for the Empire issue coming out just before Christmas. Um, uh, I interviewed him for it for that, and which he explains all about, you know, that he's he's really he's now really comfortable in the role after after making about you know <laughs> one and a half series. He's finally kind of feels comfortable doing it. Yeah, so read all about it in uh, in upcoming Empire. Amazing. A plug for the magazine as well. Excellent. Uh, what else is out this week that we haven't covered, Boydie? Well, I guess the big one, he says, answering the question immediately, as is my want, oh is God. Reacher <laughs> Season 2, which comes to Prime Video on Friday, but is Friday. spectacularly embargoed, and we were not given dispensations to talk about it earlier. So we couldn't. We cannot talk about Reacher's Return, but we will watch it in time for the next Pilot Plus. If you subscribe to that, uh, you'll hear about that one on Thursday. Is there... I mean, I was going to say, what else is there, Boydie? But frankly, there's fuck all. We already know yeah. this fuck all this week give the man yeah. a chance i mean there is basically fuck all there, i tell you what there is there's a bad education oh, there's a bad there's a bad education christmas special for fans of that uh, comedy with and yeah, which jack white um, who's not in it anymore is no, he? he's back for this special he's back oh, for this he? special yeah yeah um it's it's a christmas it's a take on a christmas carol and he pops up in it yes um but apart from that um there isn't really much no to get excited about there's loads of like non-scripted um christmas specials that are starting in earnest um in that in this period so but not stuff that we would talk about on this podcast okay mm. Mm. fair enough what is our pick of the week oh doctor who obviously yeah do you know what even though i love the serial killer's wife it has to be doctor who really even for me it is doctor who. yeah spice Top up your banana. life people <laughs> spice up your life yeah Amazing, amazing. Well, that is it for this episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. If you enjoyed it, if you loved it, then please do head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five Spice Girl rating. Uh, and if you'd like to follow us on social media, we are at Pilot TV Pod, at Boyd Hilton, at Kay Ribeiro, and at James C. Dyer. Now, as we've said, we have one more regular show to come at you next week. Now, as to what's out next week, Percy Jackson and the Olympians does arrive on Disney+. Plus. Will we get to see that? Who knows? The Winter King finally arrives on ITVX. And what if season two comes to Disney? I don't know if we'll see that either. So I have genuinely no idea what we're covering on next week's show. But rest assured, we'll cover some things. 
We will get Percy Jackson for sure. Uh, I've got it already. I've got the episodes. And um, oh, and it's not embargoed. It's not. It's, it, we're fine with the embargo. Yeah, so we'll have that. Yay! And yeah, and there's the Mark Gates ghost story. We're going up to Christmas Eve, oh, people, yeah. in this episode. So you know, it's exciting. Yes, we'll probably fold in some Christmas stuff. And maybe, bearing in mind, as yeah. it's our last, yeah, as it's mm. our last episode, we've kind of got free reign of everything between next week and the new year. So we'll maybe whack a Let's whole load mad. of stuff in there and go berserk. Uh, mm. So it'll be a bumper Christmas episode potentially next week. We shall see. Um, and then, of course, review of the year, which will follow the week after, and we are going to attempt to drop in our final a murder at the end of the world spoiler special with Boyd's epic spoiler interview with Britt Marling uh, between Christmas and the New Year for Pilot Plus subscribers. So that's very exciting. Until then, I'm off to watch more Doctor Who. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Get down with the TARDIS. Until next week, Pilot out.